0: it's that time again time for bright twinkling festive lights chill winter's breeze the promise of well-wishing the reaffirmation of the familial bonds and the joys of gift giving cinnamon and eggnog die hard and home alone stockings and christmas trees it's christmas time and i bid you all welcome curl up by a roaring fire kick up your heels and have yourself a listen did Santa leave us a gift this year or a lump of coal? Find out today on Gorman on Gore, episode nine, Christmas with Krampus. No! Oh,
1: nice? No! There is a Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho! They want someone to notice who's good or bad. I'm Santa Claus! Punished! Punished!
0: offspring of an elf and a human is nicer elf or is it human welcome to our horror podcast everybody i'm your host peter gorman i'm pleased to once again have by my side my co-host jacob Hello Jacob, how are you? Feeling the Yuletide spirit?
2: Uh, uh yes. I'm feeling pretty good.
0: So, yeah, how's the uh, uh, how's the season been for you? You know, we haven't talked in a while.
2: Uh that's fine. I uh, you know, I went up to uh, see some family for Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, we uh we couldn't hang out, but you know.
0: Yeah, Jacob, we couldn't. Maybe
2: next time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, sorry, stuff came up. I have like a my own little Christmas story. It's ridiculous, so I, I'm almost loath to bring it up. But I was trying to find a bunch of Christmas sweaters this year. I bought three. I ended up buying three. I got one that's just deer with beer, so it's just kind of a it's it's a normal Christmas sweater. It's actually not bad looking. You know, some some Christmas sweaters are supposed to look really ugly, but this one just looks fairly normal. And then I. Uh, then I got two that are just a little weirder. I got a Star Wars sweater, you know, because everyone does. And then I got a um what I thought was a Jason Voorhees sweater. Uh it turns out I was wrong. And uh I didn't realize it until people started commenting on it. <laughs> and they're like, Wow, Peter, I didn't know you you liked Wu Tang. I'm like, what? You're like, oh yeah, you know, that's Ghostface Killer on your sweater. I'm like, is it? I thought that was just a hockey mask for Jason. And you're like, no, man, you got dragons on your sleeves. That's the Wu-Tang <laughs> symbol.
2: <laughs> Wait, yeah, but... Yeah, that should be a kind of a big clue. I
0: <laughs> well, I, did, I just thought they were random dragons. I mean, such is my naivete. You know, like, I didn't know until somebody at work. It was like this delivery man who was just like, oh, man, I love your ghost face killer sweater. <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> 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 like... He was like, yeah, that's from Wu-Tang, man. I was like, oh, I haven't actually, um, I haven't listened to Wu-Tang. I, I hope it's okay. I mean, it's, it. he doesn't like say something weird, does he? I guess we'll find out. I really like the sweater. So regardless, I mean, it's got a lovely color scheme. It's like a uh, yellow and green and black. I mean, well, granted, a lot of people don't like those colors, but I I, I like them because they have kind of an intense kind of horror feel to me. I, li- I like kind of a, you know, like a yellow green combo, but, uh, Yeah, I guess it's also sort of just like an African heritage thing, and I had no idea, so, uh, you know, whatever.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: So, you know, it's been interesting for me, walking around with that and not really... Like, I'm sorry, they... Sure. (laughs)
2: I mean I feel like you're obligated to at least listen
0: to an album. I now. oh yes, I do. And I'm sorry I should have done that before. I've just been I've just been terribly busy. So, you know, so busy everybody. <laughs> oh, speaking of Jacob.
2: I I'm, I'm sorry, but
0: no. Yeah. I will. Yes. I will. I'll give you guys an update on what I think of Ghostface Killer, you know. I see some of his more recent work and see see you know what his oeuvre is like.
3: Well, all right. But in
0: celebration of the holiday wait. season, I thought it fitting that we cover a Christmas horror film for whatever reason. There are, are surprising plethora of choices. We got, you know, you got your gremlins, you got your black Christmases. There's three of those silent night, deadly night, Jack <laughs> Frost, the Michael Keaton one, and also the murderer one. The list goes on, but I thought that we should go for something a little more recent. So today Dear listeners, we're going to cover the 2015 film Krampus. And, you know, it's funny. I just I wrote in my notes like mention the naughty cut in case I screwed it up. I just got the naughty cut in the mail. It just came out. It debuted on December. Uh, I believe it was seventh from Shout Factory. I pre-ordered it on December sixth, and so I got it just yesterday, which is the tenth, because. Uh, we're we're recording on Saturday the 11th. I'm hoping to get this out before Christmas. I guess we'll see. It just depends on how long this crap goes.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say you disappointed me you know, if we don't get it out by Christmas, but uh, TikTok.
0: Yeah, no, I I think I can do it. I think I have it within me. So, yeah, you know, fingers crossed to everybody because I don't want to get whipped with a, a birch stick, you know, by Krampus for having not done so. All
1: right.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm, I'm going to mention later in the podcast, I'm going to briefly mention some of the Krampus stuff, but not a lot. I do not in the least consider myself an expert on anything Krampus. I, I think he's great. I love the idea of him, but you know, I, I'm not from the Austro-Bavarian region. I'm not some sort of pagan from Northern Germany. I don't really know much about it. I just occasionally see those YouTube videos of the creepy demons going on parade And I wish I was there.
2: (laughs) I will say I uh, found a delightful thread on on Twitter relating to Krampus. Specifically, a set of old vintage drawings of a lady Krampus. A gigantic woman beating men with sticks and putting them in her sack on her pack. And let me tell you something. Those guys look please as punch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I didn't know that was a thing, but now that you've said it, I can believe it. Yeah. That makes sense to me.
2: I, yeah, it's, it's all, yeah, like almost makes too much sense.
0: (laughs) It's all coming together. All right. So also I have to mention there are several Krampus films. Uh, We're doing the good one. Everybody. (laughs) There's a bunch of bad ones. Okay, well, maybe I should just say we're doing the best one. I'll leave our reviews for the end. But yeah, you know, this is the 2015 one. This is the one you're thinking of when you think of the Krampus film. Not of those terrible ones where Krampus fights Santa and all of that. I don't know, maybe eventually we'll get to those. Or we'll do them all in mass or something, you know, like a Krampus special with all the, the bad Krampus films in a row.
2: You know, I was kind of thinking that would be a fun thing to do.
0: (laughs) We'll see. Yeah, I've been debating about that concept about like movies that don't quite merit an episode. And so you can just sort of like summarize them real quick and be like, yeah, well, whatever. You could like do everything for a genre or some kind of really bizarre subgenre, some kind of little subcategory or something like that.
2: Yeah. See, I I was thinking Bigfoot movies. (laughs) Oh, you bring them up again.
0: Horny rapist Bigfoot.
2: Yeah, I. Yeah, They're not all I, that. By I'm the way, saying.
0: audience, it's I, like not said, all that, but it's, it's mostly like,
2: that. It's like sixty percent. It's <laughs> it's more than yeah, it
0: more than yes. you think. And yeah, I forgot I actually. Like actually, <laughs> of course we did. Um, How could we not?
2: Yeah, that's true. I know.
0: I mean, listen, I'm from the Northwest. It's like the Bigfoot capital of the world. And by the world, I mean, you know, they don't exist anywhere, but we talk about it the most. So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so.
2: Or, uh oh God, you know what? A, uh, a bunch of the, like, off-holiday horror movies would be another good one. Like, like, the ones that are like, hey, it's like Valentine's Day, or it's like Easter Day, perhaps perhaps oh, even God. Easter day movies that like just have like one or yeah.
0: two. Well, I don't know. I mean, we could try to save that for when those things actually occur, you know, but, uh, but then it, I guess it would so, be nice yeah. to kill them before that though. just so you're not obligated. You're like, listen, we already did all the terrible Easter movies. <laughs> we did critters too. I mean,
2: that's kind of what yeah, I just,
0: just knock them out. Yeah. <laughs> But as soon as we get to St. Patty's yeah. Day, though, we're finished because that's all leprechaun movies, you know. And there's like seven of those. I- I'm not even sure anymore.
2: Oh my god! There's so many. Yeah. No. Okay. I think we can. I think we can just say definitively that maybe, probably, we'll do a leprechaun movie at some point. Uh, we are not going to do some like giant medley of. Uh,
0: well, you can't see. But I'm smiling movies. right it's now. Too I you much. Know, I make no promises, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Probably I don't. Not. I don't
0: know to what depths we will sink, dear audience. You know, for your listening pleasure. <laughs> like that horrible <laughs> leprechaun remake that nobody likes. <laughs> I think it was on like the Sci-Fi Channel uh, or something. Yeah, God,
2: that one's uh, like, yeah, it's actually kind of wild how bad that one yeah. is.
0: So anyway, before we, uh, like, especially with it, the- I don't want to get too far okay, off of okay, what okay. we're actually talking about today. So, how's about we play the trailer?
2: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right. go.
0: How are we were going to survive Christmas with 12 people stuck in a house with no heat and no electricity? Or food. There's plenty of leftovers, Howard.
2: Beer it is. It's the weirdest thing. There's no cars, no people.
1: How long can this keep up? heard something on the roof. What the hell is this? St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk? Or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is (laughs) Krampus. He and his helpers did not come to give, but to take.
2: Everybody, hold on to each other.
1: He is the shadow of Saint Nicholas. gonna happen on
0: christmas nothing bad ever happens on christmas jacob (laughs) i forgot how long that trailer was so yeah we have a real solid
3: Uh, really solid
0: cast for this one we got so we got we got adam scott (laughs) from parks and rec we've got tony collette you know from she's from hereditary and knives out we got david koechner from yeah. anchorman films and other stuff, all kinds of things. And then we have the adorable misanthrope yeah. aunt, uh, Conchata Farrell. She's from two and a half men. She did that show for 12 years. Good Lord. And she's been doing TV since 1974. I looked her up on IMDb. It's just nuts how much stuff she's done.
2: Huh? I will say, uh, speaking of, uh, Tony Colette, this, Movie is sort of like retroactively, like like going back and rewatching it, very much more funny with her in it. Because <laughs> I can't help but think, of, but think of her as the mom from Hereditary, and it's like, man, that's really kind of funny now. Yeah, you'll see like her doing a face that you saw in Hereditary, and it's like, okay, that's pretty
0: good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird because she plays a nice mom in like this, he, and uh, and you keep thinking she's gonna flip out. Yeah, but that's not her role here. She's just a regular mom. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no. There's like a, a, an added purely unintentional <laughs> bit of intensity with their character. Because it's like it's like they
0: hired Michael Keaton, or not Michael Keaton. Well, he freaks out too. But no, I was thinking of uh, Jack Nicholson because he's infamous for just doing like flip out scenes. You hire him, and then you just have him do like really boring stuff, and like everyone just keeps expecting him to like blow up, and then they never, you know, he never does. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah it's sort of like. Uh, Those, like, Nicolas Cage movies where Nicolas Cage just kind of plays a guy. Yeah. Like, he'll do those every now and then, and it's like, what? why? Yeah. What
0: is this? The other day, I finally saw Color Out of Space, and he starts as a guy, and then he starts, like, over the course of the movie, he turns into himself from Vampire's Kiss, you know, where he uses that horrible, like, (laughs) fake (laughs) accent? Like, I don't know what that is. It's, It's it's really bad acting, but for some reason it's mesmerizing from him specifically. Yeah, I don't know if I would recommend that movie or his performance, but I'm glad for both.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I I liked it well. And I would recommend it.
0: So, before we so wade into go, the just... film in our scene-by-scene scene analysis, rather, generally speaking, mm-hmm. would you recommend your common everyday humdrum viewer watch this? Oh, film? sure.
2: I, I feel like that's maybe the... Uh... One of the best things about this movie is it's such an accessible horror movie.
0: That's true. I would say, man, I can mean, like, I could, like uh,
2: go on to like show it to my younger cousins.
0: You know, it is PG thirteen, by the way, or at least the non yeah. naughty cut is. But I will say though that what they add in the naughty cut is almost unnoticeable in the um, offensiveness category. They um, lengthen a few gory scenes but it adds almost nothing and it doesn't really change anything. It's so minor. You kind of wonder why they were forced to take it out in the first place. It's a strange business working with the MPAA. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would say a weak Yes. Uh, which I will explain by the end. I'd say, I don't know. There's enough, there's enough good stuff here that people should see it, but I do have some reservations, which we will get into. Okay. So without further ado, let's have ourselves a, a merry little Christmas, Jacob. So I watched the brand new collector's edition, naughty cut. I spent the $30. I bought the blu-ray 4k combo. I can't even play the 4k. There's a real strong anti-PC thing with 4k stuff. It really doesn't want to be viewed on a PC. It tries so hard to not, in fact. I couldn't play uh, the regular Blu-ray either. I had to burn it even though I, w- I just wanted to watch it. Like they forced me to steal it to just be able to view it. <laughs> there was some kind of compatibility issue with, you know, with VLC, you know, some of the regular players. I was just going to have to go download a library or whatever. It's like, you know what? I already know how to rip stuff. I'm just going to do that. So <laughs> I spent an hour last night just ripping this Blu-ray onto my computer just so I could watch it.
2: Uh. I just bought it off
0: of YouTube. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's fine. That's all you need.
2: I should have just got like a DVD or something, but
0: whatever. Oh, that's fine. So, yeah. So, Jacob watched the theatrical cut. I watched the naughty cut. There's about four minutes of difference between the two. Hopefully, I caught most of the differences along the way here. But I only just got this cut like yesterday. So, you know, it's fresh out of Shout Factory. So you're going to have to bear with me, folks. I'm doing my best. Um, there's a lot of notable dialogue that is easy to figure out that it's new. But a lot of the trimming of the gore and some of the action is really hard to figure out unless you do side by side. But the time differences mean that it's really hard to do things side by side. I've never done that kind of a playing two things at the same time kind of a comparison. It sounds too complicated to me. <laughs> so i didn't do that even though i do have both okay so we get a very frosty and icy looking uh universal logo i love the icicles on it actually i don't know if it gave you like that fearsome vibe as soon as the movie started but i was just thinking that it almost foreshadows how kind of dark everything gets like, by the end you know because for the first half of the movie it's pretty <laughs> cheerful or at least kind of it's like um national lampoon christmas vacation cheerful you know like it's cynical but you're still having a good time it's only later on where it's just like oh all right then this took a turn
2: (laughs) it's kind of funny how like uh, how abrupt that turn is too
0: it is very abrupt and yeah we'll, we'll get to that we get a fun montage of retail workers getting trampled at a i think it's a black friday sale so it must be just after thanksgiving yeah well, wait, no, it can't be, because this is a few days before Christmas. Like, it's on the same day, oh, and, Ma- and the boy Max is a bruise, and they're doing a recital for, uh, I think it's a Nativity scene. He plays, like, Max is given a terrible role. I think he's, like, a deer or something, and he's, like, attacking, I think, one of the three wise men who said something mean, and so he started, yeah. you know, punching him out. But before all that, I mean, there was some kind of a sale. I guess it's not a Black Friday sale; it's just some other kind of sale. And one of the retail workers just leaps out of the way rather than try to stop the crowd. I kind of related to that lady. It's like, oh, whatever, guys, just take it.
2: Yeah, I've worked on Christmas. It's not fun.
0: Yeah, I did a stint in Toys (laughs) R Us uh, years ago, and it's all just madness. Like, you know, there's no, there's no stopping the flood.
2: No, I will say, uh, I thought it was funny. I noticed that sort of in the background one couple mother husband you know yeah they're buying a just gigantic box of pop tarts <laughs> it's like that in wrapping paper i it's like it was very silly
0: for some reason when i was working at toys r us that was one of the things they sold it was like all toys and then at the very front, it was it was Pop-Tarts and ice cream bars in, in freezers, and I don't know why they did that. So they must have had some kind of a deal going. I, mean, I don't know if that was some kind of weird implication of the movie, but that sounds a little too deep cut for me. It's probably just a random product they threw in there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess as far as like junk foodie stuff, young me probably would have been pretty psyched to get a you know, huge pack of Pop-Tarts.
0: Yeah. It's good college food. You don't even have to cook it. You just you just shove it into your face. <laughs> yeah. Have to say, if you're gonna do that, by I mean, the like, way, um you want the um I forget. Either the s'more I think was really good, and also there was one it was called like jungle berry or something like that. I forget. Wild berry. That one was pretty good raw. Try one of those guys.
2: I feel like I mostly just stuck with the uh the cherry.
0: Yeah. Well that's pretty basic of you, Jacob.
2: I know. But it's like the most common one.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so the title comes in early. It's framed in a wreath overlooking the consumerist chaos. <laughs> you know, not not to come in too hot here, Jacob, but does the movie think that we all deserve to die? I mean, is that the point of all this?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say die, but I, I do feel there is uh, an undercurrent of None of us are
0: without sin. I guess.
2: Messaging.
0: Yeah, there's there's such a bleakness <laughs> to the whole thing. <laughs> and it's just yet, like I looking would... down on us with disapproval, you know. Like, the, like the, I feel like the movie kind of hates us a little bit, you know. You look uh... at these stupid, filthy people trying to buy their packages, and working over their hard-earned money with sad looks on their face for things they don't want to people who won't appreciate it. <laughs> That's Christmas.
2: Plan. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it's a fun little montage, but it is pretty pretty intense right off the bat. I mean, we get fist fights, we get tasering. There's a uh, weeping children yeah. on a fake Santa's lap. We get a uh, you know some <laughs> be- depressed and de- bedraggled customers were forking over money. You know, as we already said, you know, hundreds of dollars to get crap and just looking real sad while you're doing it. I related most to the kids who were on the Santa's lap and freaking out. I was one of those kids.
2: <laughs> there was like a blink and you miss it thing where it also abruptly cuts to some smiling old lady. Yeah. Which I feel like in the greater context of that scene feels oddly sinister. Yeah, Although like, she, she likes I don't she's happening. really, yes. Yes. I wonder, what are you smiling about? Can't be good.
0: There's a, a nativity scene recital at this store, I guess, and we have MJ Anthony. He's a, a boy who plays the son Max. He's getting into a slow motion fist fight with some kids, and his sister Beth is filming and just smiling broadly. Like she just is just eating this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just made my day, Max. I mean, I guess
2: if I saw one of my siblings just doing deep shit on someone, I'd probably smile too.
0: Yeah, I really like the oblivious lady who's on the organ because her back is turned and she doesn't know what's happening, so she's just like happily playing. I don't know. I was thinking maybe she's hard of hearing and so she just doesn't notice that there's just chaos behind her. Oh,
2: you know that might be the lady I was talking about. So yeah. never mind. I, if that is her, then uh, sinisterness withdrawn.
0: I was thinking. Well, if that she is the lady you're thinking of, I mean, yeah, it's more just. I think she's oblivious and uh, yeah, and innocent. <laughs> yeah yeah as we find out later though, the supernatural deities of this film don't care if you're innocent or not they they don't give any kind <laughs> of a damn. they will pull you down into Krampus hell for any old reason. <laughs> Max's parents intervene they uh, they pull the kids apart and they take Max home and you know when they get there. You see a lovely kitchen amidst a a truly enormous amount of pastries and baked goods. Like, I don't know, like 20 pounds of cookies and and just sweets and all kinds of stuff. And you see Max's German grandmother just quietly toiling away, making gingerbread cookies. And she's got the, um, (laughs) yeah, in the background, she's got the classic 1951 black and white adaptation of the Christmas Carol. That's the one that people think is the best. It's got Alistair Sim in it as a, is that been scrooge. Personally, it's not my favorite. My favorite is the the made for TV one that stars Patrick Stewart. I like that one because they have a lot of adorable British things in it. Like they they boil punch by putting a hot poker in it and they play their little Victorian games. And I kind of like that weird kind of inside baseball stuff, you know, like learning about the weird lives of uptight British people from the whenever's, you know, the Dickensian period.
2: Yeah. I Yeah, I think they probably just went with the most recognizable one.
0: Yeah. You have a favorite? I don't know if you can think of one off the top of your head.
2: I honestly know.
0: <laughs> well, how about the Flintstones Christmas Carol?
2: I forget. Does that one have kazoo in it? Cause I,
0: I don't know if I it feel does like or that's, not.
2: That really affects my opinion of it. Cause like, I like the idea. Let's take.
0: It'll go up a star if Kazoo is there, because, you know, you, you need that space alien <laughs> yeah, yeah. man show.
2: Yeah, uh, much, yeah. oh, wait, no. Another
0: old reference, by the way. I don't know if any child younger than us has actually sat down and watched the Flintstones, but it was a huge thing back in the day. It was the <laughs> longest running cartoon show before the Simpsons ran for like 30 years. So, yeah. <laughs> and they had a Christmas yeah. special where Fred Flintstone plays ebenezer in a play and then he starts to act like ebenezer in real life so it's got a weird meta thing where where like he has to reform himself in the play and in real life which is very strange yeah anyway so we got max Engel, we got his sister beth and his parents and they all you know they're all coming home they put an ice pack on max's eye because he got punched Max explains that he started the fight because the other kid was telling little children that Santa only existed to sell Coca-Cola. I mean, that's, that's kind of <laughs> true. I mean, truth be told, nobody portrayed Santa better than Coke. Coca- I actually own a leather bound book with illustrations of the Coca-Cola Santa Claus with like poems and stuff, you know, like uh, the night before Christmas and, you know, all the classics and carols and whatever. Yeah. I like the concept of I mean, it better than the execution. Now that I own it, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I love those Santa faces. But when you own the whole picture, it's just like almost half the picture is the Coke bottle. And it's, it's so consumerist that it really gets pulling the some of the joy away. <laughs> I didn't think I would feel that way when I owned it. But now I'm just like, oh, God, this is just, this whole book is just a big Coke ad. <laughs> the
2: Coke Santa is a great, representation but like nobody wants to hear that or like be reminded of it. No. You know? And
0: he was telling like first grader kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this kid who got punched. And so also Max, as we find out, he's a true believer. He's a little old for a true believer, but he, he kind of hedges when the, when he, when he explains why he was punching the kid, he's just like, yeah, he was, he was revealing it to the little kids. I mean, it didn't need to matter to me, but <laughs> you know, but, but for the little kids, As a result of his starting a fight and ruining this recital, nobody wants to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special with him. Two things, though. Two things. Max just drop kicked a wise man into the manger, so it's not uncalled for to not let him call the shots. He's in trouble.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And secondly, and perhaps controversially, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, while a classic and probably one of the best Peanuts specials, isn't that fun to watch. I I don't think everyone oh, agrees with me on that. Yeah, but I, I'm not. I absolutely a huge fan. agree. Oh, do you? Yeah, I thought mean, you were about to be like, "Oh, yeah, you I'm, son of a bitch!"
2: <laughs> it's no, on now. No. One one hundred. Like I could. I I will. I will extend that a bit further. I think peanuts in general can just be kind of a bummer to sit through.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's like, the idea. I, it's supposed to be like charmingly. Cynical or or bleak or whatever. It's just sort of like, oh, it's just my luck that this wouldn't work out, you know. But then that happens to him for everything, and it's just a big bummer. I, like I don't have a lot of patience that, for that kind of negativity.
2: I, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'll, I I do leave it still. Do. I do have like a collection of uh, some of the comic strips, and you know, like they're like they're fun, they're cute. you know, give the ones their- are. <laughs> Uh depressing, but it's like, I don't know, sitting through like twenty plus minutes of that stuff, uh it's a bit much.
0: It's not bad. I'm not I'm not trying to say it's a bad special. It actually is nice. No. It's got some charm and it's kind of understated and has an adult feel to it that's actually rare for Christmas specials. It's just that it only gets good for me right at the end because everything's real, you know, bleak and kind of empty. Until finally they have like, you know, they rebuild the Christmas tree and they have a little song at the end. And it's like, hey, there's one nice moment in your whole miserable life, Charlie Brown. You know, like (laughs) if you want to skip to the end, like uh, I'll sit down for that part. You know, that's fine with me. Yeah. When I ordered the Coca-Cola Santa book, the bookstore accidentally initially sent me a fancy leather bound Peanuts Christmas special book. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell all of you. That when I opened that package and saw Charlie Brown's face on the cover, my heart sank. I was <laughs> so upset. <laughs> I thought I had made a mistake. I'm just like, I can't believe I ordered this book. I am such an idiot. And I looked it up and it was like, oh, wait a minute. They just sent the wrong book. So thank God. I sent that thing away immediately. <laughs> Post haste. I'm like, take this back. I wouldn't take this if you were giving it away.
2: I mean, they probably wouldn't let you keep it, to be honest. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like Amazon's like oddly lax, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Whatever, just keep it.
0: No, I, I did this through a private, I forget oh, some sort okay. of book service or whatever. You know. Yeah, I yeah. do book collectory things. You know, it's it's one of my many hobbies. So yeah, it's <laughs> I, I've bought things from all across America and and Canada and Britain. It's all over the place. I don't mean to, to crap on you guys. If you like Charlie Brown, I'm just not really a peanuts fan. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So in the next scene, we have Sarah angle. This is uh, Tony Collette. She's the mom. She has a, a succession of family pictures taken with mall Santas on the wall, but there's only four. So th- she's only been doing this for like four years, including this year, which seems weird to me, you know, like why would there only be four <laughs> or maybe she like retires them when they get too old. But I mean, honestly, I think family pictures are better the older they are, you know, especially if there's like a long succession, because you can just see how much people grow up along the way. Or when like their life takes like a real harsh turn, you know, and suddenly they become like really shaggy and disheveled, (laughs) you know, or their clothes change, Uh, you know, people disappear, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Jesus. I feel like you've convinced me that just like doing the most recent ones are good now.
0: (laughs) When, you know, when, when I'm just going to call her Sarah, you know, but it's Tony Collette. When, when Sarah checks out this latest picture, everyone's standing there and Santa's just checking out her daughter's butt. And, uh, it's just ridiculous. And it makes me sad. (laughs) Good stuff. Everybody. Nice start to the movie.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's funny.
0: I guess. Well, again, like it is funny. It's just, I'm not sure what the tone is. Maybe for the whole movie, but, like, even this beginning part, like, it it, it's, it almost has a tone, but it doesn't quite have one. Like, I can't tell if it's being really negative and cynical or if it's just being kind of sarcastic and poking fun, you know? Like, ah, but we're all friends here, you know? Like, like it's not ultimately pessimistic? I, I don't know. I get this feeling that they're just being really negative. And I, I also got that feeling from the other thing that this director did. This is uh, directed by Michael Doherty. And he made the cult Halloween anthology classic, Trick or Treat. That's Trick, the letter R, and then Treat. And that one, too, is it's a big hit with people. It, uh, people love that movie. I'm kind of lukewarm on it. And I think for, for similar reasons, I think that movie also has tone issues where it keeps going back and forth between surreal and serious and cynical. And I'm just like, well, can you just choose a tone and just kind of stick with it. You know, I'd always felt a little, I don't know, a little muddled, I guess.
2: Uh, yeah. I can suit you, man. But you know what uh, movie of his uh, does not have tone issues? 2019's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yeah.
0: Which one was that? Was that the... Uh, was that the American one that set up all of this uh, the interconnected se- universe stuff?
2: Yeah, it's the, yeah, the like the sequel. Where, yeah, they, uh, have all the other monsters and create some kind of monster verse.
0: I want Michael Doherty to do more things. So I'm happy to know he's got to do a big expensive movie. I'm glad he's not finished. (laughs) This movie was a relative success. So, you know, I think it's, it's all right.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, I feel
0: like all three of these movies
2: are pretty well regarded.
0: Yeah. Aren't they doing a sequel to, to trick or treat? Uh, I know they've been talking about it for years. I don't know if they've actually confirmed it. So maybe I wouldn't be surprised. All you need are like three interconnected things. just like three short stories. Yeah. But we'll save that for a Halloween podcast. Right now, this is Christmas, the time of, of giving and joy and warmth. So, Um, so, yeah. So. (laughs) What was that?
2: I was going to say, I, was, I mean, so is Halloween mean, if you like,
0: think about it, you give candy. You give candy under duress, because if you don't, your house gets egged. <laughs> I like
2: doing it.
0: And speaking of which, you know, in this movie, it seems to set up the notion that you have to give your faith and love, your loyalty to Santa, or your your soul will be dragged to hell <laughs> forever. You know, even just incidentally, it doesn't even have to be you. It can just be someone in your, in your family loses hope, and then everyone dies. Like, the weakest link <laughs> brings you all down. <laughs> you
2: know, pretty strong message.
0: I'll be real movie. mad, you know, if, if Krampus shows up to my house, because I'll be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait I still have hope in my heart. Which one of you which one of you a-holes lost hope?
2: <laughs> which one of you um... did it? You know, Peter, if you uh, reacted that way, I feel like Krampus might have cause to uh, be angry with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get into Krampus's motives, or lack thereof, as we go along. <laughs> I, I'm not sure of what he's thinking about <laughs> through most of the movie. Yeah. He's kind of a blank slate to me. Speaking of a blank slate, Max and his grandmother seem to have a special bond. He calls her Omi, which is sort of like a a slangy thing for like grandmother in German. He understands her German, but only speaks English to her. And she understands his English and only speaks German to him. Uh, what is with that? I, I don't understand this grandma is so weird to me.
2: <laughs> I feel like she's like one of my favorite characters in this movie just because she is this odd German grandmother.
0: Yeah. Well no I like I like an odd German grandmother, but it, it just feels like she's being like deliberately opaque it's like she doesn't want to help anyone and she doesn't want to talk to anybody
2: <laughs> yeah i mean she definitely has a uh a kind of dark and secretive aura to her
0: yeah omi tells max that to believe in saint nicholas is to believe in the holiday and in sacrifice and then she just gets like a real ominous look on her face you know like <laughs> Like she's thinking back to her old cult days or something, you know, like seeing someone tied to a table. We all have to make sacrifices. <laughs> I was only 10 when we lost the Battle of Berlin. Father said we had to go away. We all knew he would never willingly go to Nuremberg. He took his own life that year. What was that, Omi? Oh, nothing. <laughs> uh. That's my first and last grandma is a Nazi joke. So there, there you have it, folks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: we got to do one. I wanted
2: to. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, my God.
0: I worked out the math. She would have been 10 years old. So it works. All right. It works, everybody.
2: Okay. Well, I'm glad you did the, uh, did the math on
0: that. Um, We're, we're going to age out soon. You know, we can't. We won't be able to make the Nazi jokes anymore because everyone's going to be dead. So. This is like the last uh, generation uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's even yeah, possible. That's... Yeah. What a bummer that will be From, for, for us making fun of Germans. You know, like What a loss we will all have collectively.
2: Seriously. I can hardly imagine something worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. This inconvenience is really bumming me out. I'm going to have to yeah. find like new things. I'm going to have to look something up finally. Something other than like 70-year-old data I have about Germany.
2: (laughs) I Look, Peter, don't worry. We'll get something working.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'll just go over to something about Angela Merkel and we'll just... Now that she's gone, you know, like, it'll be funny because it's irrelevant also.
3: Sure. Yeah.
0: Okay, so anyway, moving on. Up in her room in the attic, uh, daughter Beth talks to her boyfriend over Skype or something, you know, some kind of video service. He wants to get high with her on a festive Christmas bong, but she regretfully says she'll probably not be able to go visit, even though he only lives a few blocks away. I think he lives like four blocks from her house. Mm -hmm. And just so the audience knows right now, minor spoiler... Uh, This character only exists to make people separate and die. So, uh, you know, there you go, folks. He's just there (laughs) to encourage people to go somewhere they shouldn't go and then die. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I I don't know why I'm such a stickler for it, but I, I am very irritated by like a, I don't know what you call it, like a domino effect of like one stupid decision going to many more stupid decisions I prefer that, I don't know, it's more tragic when people are doing their best and it just doesn't work out. It just seems like it's a lazy writer thing to just make people stupid and short-sighted, you know, when they're just doing stuff hastily and then people have to save them because they did something hastily and that leads to more hardship and death. Uh, I don't know. I
2: don't don't feel like what went down was terribly unrealistic. Also, I, I did have a thought. About this, uh, this actor. Do you think he like. Goes around saying that he was. In the movie Krampus.
0: Because If I was him. I definitely say... would.
2: Okay, I mean yeah. Because like you can't say that he wasn't in it. But he was in it for. Half a minute.
0: Yeah. I mean not to reveal too much. But <laughs> later on they go to his house. And he's not there either. So he's just like never there. Yeah: OK, so Dad is downstairs drinking a, a Talisker 10-year-old single malt Scotch whiskey. I just happened to like pause the, the movie when he had the bottle out. I was like, "Hey, I, I could just look this up." I've actually been uh, trying various scotches. They all kind of taste like the same, you know, for cleaning surfaces. <laughs> it's the tradition. <laughs> But I haven't tried a Talisker 10, so I, I can't tell you one way or the other if this is a good thing. It seemed like it was kind of a pricey bottle, so, you know, it's probably good. I also just like that he has to prep himself in his own quiet, male way before all of the in-laws show up at their house and just create chaos for the next three days. Yeah. Mom and- Sarah has to psych herself up to work up the nerve to open the door when they knock on the doorbell. Or no, <laughs> knock on the doorbell. They ring the doorbell... And they ring it a lot. I hate people like this, by the way. Like, I I know I'm not allowed to punch you in the face when you come to my door, but if you ring my doorbell a lot, like I do briefly have that impulse, (laughs) just like, what are you doing? (laughs) Just stop. I mean, I guess maybe if you don't know how people are going to be, maybe it makes sense. I know that whenever I went over to uh, my pal Dave's house or our pal Dave, I would knock on the door with both fists and just like really freak them out. (laughs)
2: Oh, I bet he loved
0: that. Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah, because <laughs> he was usually <laughs> sitting right near the door. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: ah! uh, oh, it's Peter. Okay, all right.
2: Yeah. Okay. Also. So. Uh, okay.
0: I guess. You talk. Th- the point of my story, I guess, is that I would have punched myself in the face. Yeah, I,
2: oh, I. I had a wonderful mental image of someone just like really frustratingly throwing open their door and just like jamming their finger in someone's chest repeatedly going ding 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 yeah. back at them <laughs> yeah
0: uh, or you do like that neck punch like they do in training day where like he just like puts a, put someone on their on their back like instantly because they can't breathe it's like, <laughs> like ah, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, oh i'm sorry did I- you have something to tell me
2: <laughs>
0: uh. don't punch people in the throat it's real bad
2: <laughs> no yeah
0: leave that to denzel anyway this isn't uh this isn't an action podcast so uh, we can't really talk about denzel except for the one horror movie he's in and i actually think we will get around to it eventually because i like it i don't know do you remember that film just off the top of your head
2: uh like fallen something
0: no yeah that's it it's fallen yeah oh okay. we'll probably right. eventually get to that right. Yeah. They kept it simple, thankfully.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so yeah, the, the in-laws show up. Uh, Linda is at the door first, I believe, and she is related to Sarah. So Linda is Sarah's sister. So that is Max's aunt. And then everyone else is an in-law of some sort to Max, at least. I don't know who the main character is in this. I kind of feel like it's the parents, but by the second half of the movie, it kind of becomes Max. So I don't know. I guess that's part of the tone thing I was talking about. Like, I'm not really sure who the focus of the film is supposed to be. It's kind of the family in general, sort of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sarah psychs herself up. She opens the door. She greets them. And then Linda says she she had nothing but crazy talk radio for six hours. Oh God. Six hours. Oh Jesus. (laughs) That's a long drive. I mean, I think they're in somewhere in Ohio, so they must live like a state over or maybe two states over to have to drive that long. Yeah. Linda comes in, and then we got Howard. That's David Keckner, Then we got Howard Jr. You know, with the slack-jawed mouth. Maybe the most annoying-looking child I've seen in, in a film in recent history.
2: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. See, I, I, a thought came to my mind when I was watching that opening scene with him, religional scene. I don't know what I would do if I had a kid that just looked like some annoying little just degenerate you know, like I like like sorry, I'm sure that child is wonderful in real life, but I don't know, if that was my son, I would be like, oh god, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Later on, you do hear uh, David Koechner, you know, Howard, he says he's trying to yeah. build him up to be a lineman. So he wants him to become a gigantic man, you know, that can take people out in football. Yeah. But right now he's a pudgy little boy with like a loose slack jawed expression, just blank faced. And he'll just stare at you it's, and not respond to I, anything you say to him.
2: I mean, that's, it's barely acting, but it is really funny.
0: Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of I those am- kids at the beginning of Home Alone. You know, when Joe Pesci's trying to talk to them. Hey, you guys oh, going yeah. on a trip? Yeah. Where you going, kid?
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because yeah. yeah, that that would just that would really frustrate me. So anyway, yeah. So Howard Junior walks in, and then the two daughters come in, uh, Jordan and Stevie. They're both in war camo and varsity jackets. One of them is in lacrosse and the other one's in wrestling. It looks like, and they they both got varsity, so I guess they're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we also have uh, Rosie the bulldog in an elf outfit. I felt really sad for that dog. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: mean, it's it's a cute dog. The uh, you know,
0: I've heard that bulldogs you know, yeah, are yeah, supposed a, to have been bred. They're supposed to have been bred to do something. Yeah. But I just, when I look at a bulldog, I don't feel like they've been bred to do anything. Like they, they're so small no. and, and weak looking. I, I don't know. I just, I feel bad for them in yeah, that way.
2: Yeah. No, I know. I mean, it's sort of, it, you know, it's like the pug situation where it's like, it's yeah. cute, but I mean, stop.
0: Yeah. Late to walk in the door is Sarah's aunt, Dorothy. So that would be Max's uh, great aunt, I believe. This is Conchata Farrell. She's what's well, the I originally wrote she's super fun in this film. And then she says some racist stuff later. And so I'm just like, well, oh, I don't know if I should say that. She can be fun. <laughs> but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna just put like a blanket praise over her because uh some of what she asserts later is a bit questionable.
2: She's yeah, a nasty
0: misanthrope. Yeah. She's she's a grumpy old lady. You can tell she spent years never learning how to socialize or I don't know, acclimatized to other people and their opinions and thoughts and feelings. So she kind of just says yeah. surface thoughts and it's usually a bit aggressive and confrontational. I don't think she's all that bad and I think there's something interesting about that. Later on, she does start to show some, I don't know, some regret, but it's it's way too late in the game. You know, like she she burned some bridges pretty early on, so it, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah. Oh yeah, one of the first things she says is, oh my lord, it looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. Uh, that, that's a pretty good line. though. So.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And there's one more family member that I forgot about. And uh, speaking of which, not just this scene, the movie and everyone forgets about this character over and over again. It's a little baby Chrissy who they left in the car. Linda, the mom is just like, Hey Jordan, I told you to, to take the baby in or bring it in, you know, and, or bring her in. And, and Jordan's just like, it's not my baby. So it's just, it's not entirely Linda's (laughs) fault. She did try to delegate her, you know, to somebody to bring the kid in. I mean, I'm not a dad or or at least not that I know of, but I assume when a parent is unloading a car with lots of passengers, you go babies first and then food and dishes, you know, like prepared meals and then older kids, presents and luggage, probably in that order. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Why would, why would you, why would you finish with the baby? You know what I I mean? (laughs) <laughs> so horrible. I mean, I know it's a joke, but it just, it really bums me out. I, I was just envisioning, the, you know, they're all coming out of the car and they're just leaving the baby. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. But yeah, Jordan refused. So maybe she's the real monster here. You know, like everybody else was on the level. Linda explains to Sarah that Aunt Dorothy basically invited herself into the proceedings. Like she was going to pick up presents and Aunt Dorothy just came out with luggage. Like, oh, I guess we're coming along too. Oh, great. Oh, God. And I will say that exploiting the polite forbearance of family is the strategy of misanthropes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of when Al Pacino invites himself to his brother's Thanksgiving dinner in the, the movie uh, Scent of a Woman and just capital R ruins that meal for everybody. <laughs>
2: Uh, you know, you
0: gotta respect it. You don't need to see that movie, but you should watch that scene. It is an incredible ruining a dinner scene. He just goes way out of his way to just make everybody uncomfortable. And I think at the end, his brother chokes him or something like it gets real out of hand. (laughs) So yeah, it's like that, everybody, except this time it's aunt Dorothy. So then they get to the, the meal, you know, speaking of meals. They have this big fancy meal that Sarah prepared, and it looks beautiful. It's, it's really fancy food. But brother-in-law Howard and Aunt Dorothy both work very hard to ruin this particular Christmas dinner. Howard makes fun of Sarah's husband, Tom, for growing up as an Eagle Scout, and then he tries to preach uh, but, the gospel of gun ownership.
2: I mean, look, he was definitely right to mock him for growing up as an Eagle Scout.
0: <laughs> well, first off, we have a friend that's an Eagle Scout, and getting up to that <laughs> rank is really hard. Hey,
2: hey, 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 hey Dave. Um, no, I no, I don't.
0: We're not racist against scouts. Pol- we have hey. scout friends.
2: No. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, just token friends.
0: Token scout friend.
2: It's okay. Let's.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's weird. I don't know why Howard hates Tom. I think it's kind of a jealousy thing, but. I don't know. It it does seem like he's been hating him for years, so he's just looking for stuff. He's just trying to pick a fight. Yeah, yeah. I do love that scene. It was in the trailer where David Koechner is like eating the whatever it is, some some bird. I think it's turkey. And he's just like, oh, the bird's a bit dry, you know, and Tom's like, oh, mine's good. And he's like, well, mine's a bit dry. Well, you want to switch? I do like at least, you know, most movies, they don't have the hasty advice thing that would happen in real life. But Tom actually gives hasty, real advice. Like as soon as Sarah storms out of the room to make creme brulee for everybody, Tom is just like, could you just say something nice? Could you please? (laughs) She has worked so hard. It's between Howard making fun of Tom and then, you know, making it seem like everyone's a wuss. And then Linda criticizes Sarah for preparing food that's too fancy? Question mark. I mean, I'm not sure why she's resentful of it.
2: No, that's definitely a, that's a thing.
0: Is it a thing? Oh, well, maybe it's, maybe, yeah, maybe again, it's like a jealousy thing or maybe it's like the, you know, think you're showing off or, or putting on airs or or just making stuff that no one would want. I'm not, some combination of those things.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I read a funny story by a, uh, or an article for my guy. It was like the guy like made some like fancy meal for his family and they like watched it and do it. And then they just didn't eat it. Wow. And that's it's amazing. like the guy like the guy is like a greedy asshole, but like I read that story, and I'm like, man, they honestly, I kind of get it now.
0: that's pretty brutal,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and when Linda criticizes the food, Aunt Dorothy says, like, Oh, who doesn't bake a Christmas ham? What are you a Jew um which <laughs> like like what do you even say to that? <laughs> like it blew yeah, my mind
3: I, 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 yeah. <laughs>
0: Like, because I didn't bake a ham, what what would it matter anyway? Oh God. You're like, where do you even begin with that? Yeah. It's just terrible. (laughs) As a side note, Linda's baby, you know, Chrissy, she's throwing Sarah's homemade gravlax on the carpet for Rosie, the bulldog. I only know that because Sarah name drops the gravlax. So I actually looked it up. It's a, it's a salmon dish that is covered in salt, sugar, and dill. And left to cure for at least 12 hours, but possibly days or even like a a week or two. So she took a really long time because she said she made it. So she took at least 12 hours to make this stuff. (laughs) And then they're just like throwing it on the floor and the the bulldog's just eating it. Yeah. Granted, it's a Scandinavian meal and they're not Scandinavian. So, you know, what? maybe she is showing off and (laughs) maybe you should throw it on the floor. Show her for trying to expand your horizons. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah support sarah she retreats to the kitchen to prepare the, the creme brulee's and she does it in individual portions and like this is one of those things that's a minor point but i just love how thoughtful that is it's not a big bowl it's all like a bunch of little mini bowls so you get your own you don't have to like scoop around and you know navigate you know yeah i, I really i don't know it, 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 it's some kind of positive ocd thing with me oh i shouldn't say that you know what i mean like it's a i like how orderly it is it's nice.
3: Yeah,
0: she's got the flamethrower thing. It's great. I love those little those little <laughs> flaming things. I feel bad because my oh, stepdad oh, so, has one uh, of those and he uses it a lot, and I don't know what it's called.
2: I don't either. I've i I like the idea of getting one, but I don't know what I would use it for.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's good for making caramelized layers on stuff. You know, like uh, roasting a bit of sugar. You could probably make yeah. really good s'mores that way. Like roast it instantly. That'd be kind of cool.
2: Oh, but sure. yeah, generally yeah. you don't
0: really need it. It's just kind of neat.
2: Oh, also one detail. I uh, I don't know this for certain, but I guess like a shout out to uh, Maverick Flack, Howie Jr. for uh, just double fisting a, what looks like a huge amount of Mountain Dew for a scene that they definitely had to do multiple takes on.
0: yeah he drains like a whole bottle of some kind of knockoff Mountain Dew. And then he just belches into Beth's face and she goes to leave. And then Sarah has to make a face at her. Like, don't you leave? (laughs) And then she just like sadly sits down again. It's pretty good. Yeah. I do. I mean, I don't have as much political disagreement amongst my family, but we do still have some of that kind of boorishness where like it's gross enough. From some of the younger ones that, like, yeah, every now and then we just look at each other like, oh, God.
2: <laughs> that I, I really, really.
0: Yeah, I, I have very little tolerance for that. I half expected the kid to, like, throw up a little bit because he belches too forcefully, you know, and then, like then I would leave the table. I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. No, thanks.
0: Gotta watch out for Howie Jr. He's got acid reflux. <laughs> So, yeah, while Sarah's preparing this awesome treat. I mean, it's a flan dish. I don't like flan dishes, but it's just the fact that she's preparing it. It's so thoughtful and nice. And Aunt Dorothy trundles in, maybe not picking up on the fact that Sarah's basically hiding from them. And she goes in to criticize her food some more. She's like, oh, you know, this clogs up my pipes. Why do you do this? And Sarah just angrily banishes her back to the dining room. It's, It's amazing. She's just like, get the hell out of my kitchen.
2: Yeah. I will say, yes. I just. Drive you down with was, a bolt of lightning. I thought that was kind of funny because I feel like most other movies would have had that scene where she gets told off way later in the movie. Yes.
0: Know? Like at the end, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she does have a really good line. I almost forgot because, you know, Dorothy, she's criticizing everything she's done. She's just like, why well, do you make this food? Why, why, why? And then Sarah is just like, mm. oh, okay, fine. Why don't we go to your trailer next year and you can you can serve us meals? And it's funny because yeah. Dorothy doesn't even consider it an option. She's just like, "Oh, wait, no. Okay, no, no. Um, I'm sorry." You know, like she starts to apologize. Well, okay. I don't know what she says cuz she gets cut off, but she yeah. she looks like she's right about to express some remorse. Like she just doesn't realize how thoughtless she is. But then Sarah just cuts her off and just like, "Just get out of here." Yeah. Which is interesting to me. I yeah. like that they don't make her Dorothy, I mean, Aunt Dorothy. They don't make her mindless. She's just a little unaware. People just haven't really discussed these things with her. They've been tiptoeing around her for, apparently, for years. I think you could train Dorothy to be hospitable, but it would just take time, and nobody wants to do that. So, you know, that's the issue. Back at the dinner table, Stevie and Jordan have managed to steal Max's letter to Santa out of his pocket. And then they just proceed to read it out loud to the whole table while everyone's staring at them and does nothing to stop them or, or, or anything. Like, I was so shocked that the adults, the adults everywhere, everywhere on the table would just allow that to happen. You know what? I (laughs) want to see how this plays out.
2: I mean, look, on a certain level, I, you know, I get it. I mean,
0: no. Okay. Listen, I, I would like to you know to what's out. in the letter. You know what I mean? If I was there, I would want to read. I wouldn't want that letter read. But, but you know, selfishly. <laughs> but but yeah. as an adult, as a decent person, you can't allow it to be read. You, you have to stop it.
2: Uh, I guess you're <laughs> right, yeah.
0: Listen, listen, guys. We all want to know what this boy wrote about us, but come on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: It is. It's such a sweet letter. That's the. That's what's so great about it. It's like, it's supposed to be a a hugely humiliating thing, you know, for these girls to read a letter that he wrote to Santa out loud to everybody. But he's super nice. He's just like, I wish my parents would fall back in love, and I wish that Howard and and Linda, you know, had an easier life, and you know, I wish that Howard wouldn't wish that his daughters were were boys. And when Stevie reads that, she gets so mad. She's just like, screw you. He doesn't want us to be boys. That Stevie girl being mad about that dug up an old buried, awkward memory from my past. I, I was hesitant about whether I'd bring it up on, on the podcast, but I guess. Oh, I oh God. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. You have
0: to now. <laughs> okay. Well, This isn't my awkwardness. This is someone else's. So I won't name names because it, you know, it might embarrass them. Oh
3: yeah.
0: yeah. I used to go over to a friend's house a lot in the neighborhood and that friend's house was the nexus of all of the local drug activity and a lot of the vandalism and crime and stuff. I was the good friend. I was the friend that was allowed to stay longer because I was nice and all I wanted to do was play video games. Or at least I characterized myself as nice. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they thought of me. But, you know, but but I was orderly. I didn't do anything wrong. I was polite. You know, I left when I was asked, you know, that kind of a thing. But some of their other friends were really unruly. I only explain that because otherwise it's hard to explain what happens without that context. So, you know, they trust me. That's what I'm getting at. Over the years, they grew to do so. And so one of the two brothers during a drunken party made out with... (laughs) a local girl and she was just, she was actually a very sweet girl. I remember she, I don't remember her name, but she, she had red hair and she was in army camo all the time. And it was 100% one of those, like the dad wanted a boy. And so he just puts all this boyishness on, on the girl, but she was actually really nice. You know, it was just like, I don't know, you know, she was just growing up and she didn't know like what to do with herself yet. And so, so they made out, And then she went back to his house the next day to to find him. She wanted to talk about it or figure something out and he didn't want to talk to her. So my neighbor called me, he called me and he's just like, I want you to get this girl out of my house. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I got drunk. I made out with her. I I don't know what to say to her. Could you please just, you know, get her to leave? And I was just like, "Uh." I don't know, I guess, you know, like he was hiding somewhere, basically waiting for her to leave. And so I had to go and I did, I went over there and I gave her the, it's not Here. you, it's me speech on behalf of my friend. It was the saddest Here. moment in my life. I felt so bad for her. Oh God. I, good Lord. I was as kind as I could possibly be. You know, I was, <laughs> but, but there was no, you know, there was no salvaging it. It was horrible. I, what a strange story that was.
2: Yeah, God, I I don't think I could do that for someone. Like I or to to someone. Good God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad because I I think I I liked her as well, and I think she also liked me. So that also made it even weirder, you know, that like I had to be nice to Oh man. I don't think I ever saw her again. I think if I had, you know, I, I might have actually tried to strike up a relationship or something. I not that's a dangerous thing to say. But you know, it's at, at the time that's how I felt. You know, I'm just, I'm just telling the truth here, you know. And, and so, you know, I sure. because of that, like I said, I was I was trying to be as kind as possible. And I understood how sure. stupid my friend was being and I and I was I was basically throwing him under the bus because he deserves it. But you know, but I had to just be like, well, listen, you know, he's you gotta go home, you know, that kind of a thing. I don't think he he meant to do it and you know, yeah yeah. Sad story everybody. Okay. I totally forgot about it. And then this movie dredged yeah. that out of my soul. From years uh, and years yeah, ago. I, uh... <laughs> okay. That poor girl.
2: Peter, I I okay, I will say this. The second you agreed to do that, you ended any possibility of coming back afterwards and saying like, "Hey, I know that I basically broke up with you." But like,
0: what's up? Yeah, no, I know. You know? I, that was probably why she never surfaced again. I think she was just done with everybody, <laughs> and I can't that's, blame her in the least. So yeah, yeah
2: that's, that, that's
0: a bummer. It was, <laughs> I don't. You know what, Your listeners? You know, you can tell me. Like, I don't know. Should I have told that story? I, I guess. I guess we'll find out, huh? You
3: know.
0: <laughs> that's a weird one. I had some yeah. interesting neighbors. Back to the story. Max flips out. He tries to get the letter from Jordan and Stevie. He manages to get it from them, but then, you know, they're separated. And, uh, you know, Max does the old, you know, I hate you, I hate Christmas thing, and just runs out of the room. And it's like right as Sarah's coming in with the creme brulee, so she doesn't know what's happening. And she's
2: like, I hate you, I hate everybody!
0: <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Like, I feel like she, she yeah. probably had just recentered herself. She got back into the Like I can go deal with these people thing again. And then immediately, as soon as she comes out, her son is like flipping out and running away. What a rotten night for the angles. Max goes to his room and is sad. His dad, Tom checks in for a chat. He asks Max to try to see the good in everyone. The old, I know they suck, but it'll only be for a few days. Dad speech. I know that, or at least in theory, anyway, that dad speeches tend to be pretty perfunctory. They're just sort of like, listen, listen, we know this sucks, but this sucks for everyone, son. So could you just just suck it up? Just suck it up.
2: Yeah, every everyone uh, really loves a like dad phoning it, phoning it in speech.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he tries. I mean, I don't know. They do yeah. try to make Tom is like a little flawed, but I actually think that Tom is the dad. I think Tom is yeah. one of the nicest characters. He, he he really does mean well. He just seems like yeah. he's a little distracted. I mean, they say that he's constantly working and, and uh, I think that his career has like consumed most of his consciousness to the point where he's a little surprised by the thoughts and feelings of his family. It's just like, huh, Yeah, I didn't realize this, all of this was going on. <laughs> so Max seems to be calmed by the talk, but after his dad leaves, he tears up his letter to Santa and throws it out the window. His letter flies up into the sky rather than down to earth, as one might expect. I mean, I feel like that's the indication right off the bat. Like, uh, I don't think this is going to end well for any of us. Yeah. A big wind builds up and knocks out the power all across the neighborhood. I don't know. I wonder if it's because there's a value in innocent, like virginal people. I was going to say boys. It doesn't have to be boys, but it, what I mean is like, you know, I know there's that old thing about in rituals, you know, they say that a more valuable sacrifice is one that's like a, like a virgin or, you know, pure or untainted, or maybe someone who's like a very strong believer in a faith that you don't have. <laughs> mm. Some of the really old stories are, those are real fun. We're like, Hey you guys, we caught a Catholic. We got to roast this guy immediately. <laughs> Pray to your gods. It'll give it, it'll give us more like potency in our sacrifice. So I wonder if this is like that where, because Max is a pure and innocent boy who actually believes in Santa Claus in his heart, and then he doesn't believe like it, you know, it, it goes away. It becomes a greater uh, sin against the universe or it's a bigger loss draws the attention of the, the dark gods of commerce. You know, they have to come take everybody away now, you know, because just because this one boy lost hope. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. On IMDB, on the DVD case, in the articles I read about the new naughty cut, the movie is always summarized as max accidentally summoning Krampus I mean, is this all his fault or I, I don't know? No, or maybe, I, don't know. I don't buy that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe his little ray of hope and innocence was just preventing evil from befalling his family of mostly rotten people. Maybe he was the last thing that was just like, maybe they, maybe Krampus would have come years before. If not for him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's almost a good message. Cause then it's not Max's <laughs> fault, but I feel like the movie is kind of yeah. being like, I don't want to say it's your fault, but it's kind of your fault.
2: I don't know. I feel like it, again, it's more of that, you know, do the right thing or else. Or
0: else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't, isn't Max entitled to his feelings? He's just a kid for God's sakes. You know, he's allowed to lose hope now and again. People have been treating (laughs) him very badly. Max wakes up the next morning to see an enormous snowman out in his yard facing the house. It looks like it's, like, at least eight feet tall. It's got an enormous hat that's, like, probably two feet all by itself. There's no way anybody had that hat just, like, sitting somewhere. Like, I'm going to make a huge snowman, and then I'm going to have, like, a Mad Hatter hat that I'll I'll put on it. I've been saving it in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) I use it as a sack in the off year. It's full of Christmas supplies.
2: Yeah, but that's one of those things where I feel like... uh... I don't think the writer, when they were writing that scene, intended for the uh, the snowman to look like that.
0: No, I mean, in a way because I he... like that because <laughs> to a kid, that's what he would look like. And also to an adult, even if it was wrong, they, they would refuse to acknowledge that something is wrong like that because it's too mundane. I mean, when he points it out to them, they're just like, yeah, whatever. There's a snowman in the yard. If someone told me that, I would at least look you know, and be kind of fascinated. Like, it's a, it's, it's a creepy looking snowman. I mean, like I would be concerned.
2: Yeah.
0: It looks like it's got a bomb in it or something.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: You hear about that story where somebody puts a snowman around a tree trunk or, or maybe it was a rock. I forget. But then somebody tried to run down the snowman and just destroyed their car. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was like some Looney Tunes stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, wait. Was it not like wait?
0: Was it on the street? It was in the yard. So they they drove onto his yard to to destroy. The oh, okay, yeah. It, then, so it's extra rough. If...
2: Yeah, it okay, must have been a very flat place.
0: You know, like Kansas or something. Some place where you could veer off the road really easily.
2: Yeah, I wonder if that's something that's happened to that person before, and they're like, "All right, next time."
0: Yeah, next time.
2: <laughs> but this. Yeah, this, one, this one's got your name
0: on it. And indeed it did. Yeah, like this, this snowman in this movie, he's, like, he's huge in a way that he shouldn't be. He's got a gigantic bottom. It, it looks like a man is hiding inside. Spoiler alert later, he, he's not. There is no man in there. So like, I don't know why he looks like that. I think the, the guys at, at Weta, those New Zealanders, they did this movie. I don't know if they did all of the visual okay. stuff, but they did a lot of it. So I think they're just like, I want to make a creepy snowman. You'd be like, I'm not sure if that's what it would look like. Like, Nope. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> 10 feet tall, an enormous hat. Oh yeah. I love this DHL driver that shows up. I forget if they even have DHL anymore. I feel like it was one of those services that was fading out, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to check. I don't want to, you know, hurt my reputation by saying something untrue on a podcast. Everybody let's just look at mm-hmm. No, it still exists. Okay. I must be thinking of another <laughs> one with a similar name. Anyway, one of those doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, yeah, this driver shows up with like a gift basket and uh, Linda and Howard go to the door to, to accept stuff for the Angle family. Like, it's not their house. I don't know why they're doing that, but Howard's all like real scornful of it. He's just like, why do rich people get all the free stuff? It must be Democrats. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh.
0: And that's not me saying that. That's in the movie, all right? That's the movie doing that. Yeah. So blame blame Michael it, Doherty. He Doherty. He wrote this as well. He didn't just direct it.
2: I. it's a good joke. I got I got a laugh
0: out of it. Oh no, I did too. Uh, you know. But you know. <laughs> but still. Um, yeah, but amongst the gift basket is also like a big, obvious Santa bag full of gifts. And uh the DHL guy is just like I don't know what this is. This was here when I got here. Uh, Maybe it was another service and they just bring it in without looking at it. I feel like if they had checked it out, they would have known that there was something weird about it. It's all like antique boxes and like weird stuff piled into like a satin bag. Nobody's going to be delivering it in a bag like that. They don't really question it at all.
2: No, I mean, uh, I guess like I, 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 I don't know how much I question free stuff either. I get, I I was trying to
0: give him some crap, but maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe I would just take it and just not worry about it.
2: I mean, yeah, It, it, it happens so rarely.
0: Yeah. So Beth wants to go check on her boyfriend. You know, the one that lives four blocks over in the naughty cut, a scene is added where aunt Dorothy says that she had to wait two years for her boyfriend while he was out fighting Charlie. So, uh, there you go, guys. That's that's one of the uh, glorious upgrades when you get the naughty cut. Uh, sweet. A nice little racist Vietnam joke. A lot of these scenes are just lengthened slightly, so you know, often you'll have the same scene, but it just goes a little longer, and they say like one or two extra lines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sarah doesn't want to let her go, and Tom does for some reason. Maybe because he's a bad dad, or maybe because he just wants his daughter to be happy and live free. I, I don't know. But it's already blizzardy out there, so like, I don't know. I don't think I would let anyone leave. But you know, nevertheless, they let Beth go, and she immediately runs into Krampus. It's like a block away. She just immediately heads <laughs> yeah. outside, and he's just out on the roof, yeah. just wandering around.
2: Yeah, I think first shot is also really great.
0: No, he looks great. I, I do like, like his design. He's
2: yeah,
0: like a huge horned figure with a hunchback striding around on the rooftops he's got a huge stride and he has like a mega jump that just goes up several stories whenever he leaps straight up yeah so beth sees him she runs away she flees to the dhl driver in his van and uh, he's frozen to death like inside of the van (laughs) what did that guy do i don't feel like he's involved at all and yet here he is dead
2: (laughs) i mean i don't think anyone in that neighborhood really got spared
0: It's not clear. Everything seems very abandoned. It's not just that the power's out, it's that everyone seems to be gone. And it seems like maybe Krampus and his crew had gone around and systematically murdered everyone like the night before, or over several nights.
2: Possibly, or all in one night. How could he do that? Uh, Through the power of Christmas magic.
0: Yeah, really. (laughs) Speaking of which, by the way, Krampus' knock is I believe it's December 5th? It's supposed to be the day before the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is the sixth. So this is three days before Christmas, just regular old Christmas. So it's wrong, everybody. It's wrong.
2: Oh, something I thought was kind of interesting about this scene is I feel like in other movies, the first person to see Krampus would have been the brother and not the sister yeah. And they would, like, it, how it would have played out was he'd, like, go out, he'd see him, he'd escape and come back, and he'd be like, you know,
0: guys, guys, there's, like, a you
2: know, g- guy out there, and then, like, the parents wouldn't believe him.
0: Yeah, that's the normal formula.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, a, yeah, a lesser movie would have done that. So, you know, it's nice to, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say the movie doesn't, like, fall into a certain kind of formula, but it, uh, it does a good job of, like, switching things up.
0: Yeah, it sets an immediate tone, though, which for me was ominous because they already set up that Beth is a little annoying, but she's actually relatively nice. She clearly cares about her brother. She's not a bad person. She's just a teenage girl. You know, she's just growing up. And so having her, I don't know if she dies or just gets kidnapped right away, sets a real, real dark tone for about how things are going to go. It gives a real, um, nobody's going to be spared feel right off the bat. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, ain't oh. nobody getting out of this.
2: So that, that's something that's kind of interesting. I assumed that in the, uh, the naughty cut, there would be like, so there's was um, top down shot where the car is shaking and yes. she's like screaming as the, she's getting attacked. I assumed that in the Naughty Cat there would have been some like CGI blood or something.
0: No, there isn't any of that, unfortunately. Yeah, she hides under the yeah. van, and it's it's like the T Rex in Jurassic Park, you know, like she's trying to keep keep the Krampus from detecting her, but it doesn't work. And so he leaves, but he he leaves a little um, a little jack in the box, and it comes out yeah. real slow, and it's got like a creepy clown face, <laughs> and I guess it I guess it eats her. But I mean, as you find out later in the movie, I think they're more like capturing devices. Like they just swallow you whole so that they can bring you somewhere. Or at least I hope that's what's happening. Maybe they're, maybe they are dead inside. I don't know. But yeah, she gets caught right away, which is kind of a bummer.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It it feels like that that scene was like shot with that kind of, that kind of like gore in mind, which I guess was maybe a little too, uh, exploitation for this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, they were going for PG 13 when they did the original cut and in the new cut, Uh, they haven't added anything. I think they might've added a a little more sound effects, but I'm not clear on that. I think that they were always a little silly sounding, you know, later on, there's parts where people get bit. It it never like sounds like the wounds you later see, you know, like it always sounds way more elaborate and there's way more like ripping and shredding noises. The sound guy took a lot of liberties on those noises.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's like a, we'll you know, talk about it when we get to it, but there's there's one scene where when I first watched it, it was like, I was a little unsure what happened to the sister, but I'm like, oh, wow, he's just dead. And then it's like, oh, no, they, he's just like, he's fine. Yeah. But it was just the noise, the noise they used was like such a like, visceral, like crunching noise. I'm like, oh, that guy just got snapped in half.
0: Yeah. Was there something that she said or did that made her deserve that fate? Maybe Krampus and his minions have very little rhyme or reason to what they do. Maybe they just kind of take whoever like once they're once they're in, once they're summoned they like they don't care like they don't make moral judgments. they're just like picking off whoever they can find.
2: I don't know, maybe, but maybe also she should have stood by her brother more.
0: She did want to leave to go smoke pot with her boyfriend, but, I mean, like, that's, that's pretty normal. I mean, if I'm being honest about it,
2: <laughs> a lot of yeah, people well, do also, that, and
0: I don't feel like they all deserve to die because of it.
2: Well, I mean, Krampus also probably hates it when people smoke
0: weed. Yeah, I bet that's, like, his pet peeve. So, yeah. I hate that smell! Back at home, Max discovers the huge snowman is closer to the house now, and a, and a second one has appeared. Can I just say that I love creepy snowmen stuff? I wish more of this movie was about the ominous movements of snow people. I would love just a whole movie of that.
2: Uh, Peter, what if I told you that there is a movie that's that? It's a little horror movie called Jack Frost.
0: Oh, God. See, I was hoping you weren't going to say Jack Frost. Because <laughs> I have <laughs> seen that, and it's terrible. <laughs> no, I want something really... <laughs> Almost like a gothic horror, you know, like you would need to have a really big lawn or a big area around a house and like very slowly weird figures would just gather around the house, you know, and it doesn't make sense. I I think that'd be really neat. Mm -hmm. I actually own a silly horror game on Steam called Frosty Nights. It came out in 2017. You play as a little boy who is in his room and he has to stay up all night melting snowmen who are breaking in with a a hairdryer. And it's one of those, uh, what do you call it? It's one of those Oculus type games where you can only deal with the stuff that you're facing. So you have to turn and, uh, and melt snowmen in time before they kill you.
2: It's pretty uh, cool. God, I, I, I need to. Uh, what's the name of it? Uh, there was a. Oh, okay. All right. I think I got it. It was a uh, horror anthology anime called uh, The World Yamizukan. And one of the first episodes is about a kid who uh, makes a, a friend with a uh, an adorable, magical snowman <laughs> All right. who eventually is revealed to be a uh, terrible, abominable snowman monster who kills his family. And I think the kid falls off a cliff to his death or something. It's like really rude. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's pretty intense.
2: Uh, yeah, I know. It was pretty fun.
0: There was also a, I don't know why this made me think of this, but there was, there's an old Stephen King story. It was one of his short stories and it was about a car that's like in a guy's yard. And over the years it gets closer and closer to his house. It's like a wreck of a car, like embedded in the dirt. It's all rusted out and it's still moving over time, you know, and they couldn't explain it. But then one year it gets too close and the guy dies because the, they find the the car like crashed into his house. Like, like it had just flung itself in at some point during the night.
2: <laughs> i misremembered the uh the shirt i have it here in front of me the snowman wants to be his friend forever so he pushes his father off of a cliff but the father doesn't die the father just is terribly injured and then watches as the snowman eats his son alive in front of him
0: oh wow that's that's actually worse <laughs> than your original description yeah,
2: yeah that is, that's a huge bummer
0: holy cow
2: yeah, yeah.
0: You'll be a part of me forever now.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should rewatch it, but it's like, anyway. okay. So we have
0: we get a little scene with Tom and Sarah. You know, the mom and dad. They're sitting together, staring out a window, worried about their daughter Beth. Tom's been working so much lately that the marriage has sort of fallen apart, and they have this really sad little humanizing moment. You know, where they just say that they, you know, they miss each other,
1: <laughs>
0: and you know, it's a nice, it's a nice little thing, but it. Honestly, though, it doesn't really go anywhere. The movie doesn't have time for that. So they just kind of bring it up and then that's it. You know, you never really, you never get any conclusion on any of that. (laughs) There's just not really time in the midst of a cramp. No.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's there. I appreciate those little touches.
0: Yeah. And then some of this is a little longer because of the naughty cut. So you'll have to tell me if you recognize what I'm talking about in these next couple of scenes. Cause it's talking stuff that isn't terribly necessary, but I think it was lengthened a bit. So in the next room, uh, Omi has been maintaining the fire for the rest of the family. She's been keeping it up nice and hot. And then in an, what I believe to be an added scene, aunt Dorothy says, if she was a homeless person out in this cold, she would just kill herself. She even does the, like, you know, the finger across the neck thing.
2: I, yeah, I think, I feel like you would have remembered
0: it if you had seen that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It, a bit like, that's also like such a
0: blinking and you miss it kind of a thing. Yeah, it's just in between when Tom, the dad, walks into the room and en- enlists Howard and his mighty truck to go look for Beth, because you know how Howard is. He's he's one of those gung ho uh, hunting dudes. He's got like a some kind of crazy truck. You know, he spent probably way too much money on. It's probably like a V twenty four or some kind of ridiculous shit.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I know there's not that many V's. I'm just kidding, guys. Jeez. But you know, when he when he shows up, the whole house vibrates. You know, I, it's a joke, but he's driving something that is the equivalent of a Humvee, but I'm not sure what exactly it is. I'm not I'm not a car guy. And they also don't really show the the truck very prominently from the outside.
2: No. It feels like something you'd see in a Jurassic Park movie.
0: Yes. It does look like it could be chasing alongside a dinosaur, like if they're looking for samples or something. <laughs> Ingen needs to go steal some scales off of the side of a dino or something. So, you know, they're about to go look for Beth and Omi just implores everyone to just stay and wait out the storm. That is the advice of the movie, by the way, that's all they have to do. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, nobody does that. So they all bad things happen. A lot of bad things happen to everybody. Yeah.
2: I will say just as like a quick aside, man, it kind of is wild that there's a new Jurassic park coming soon. And I like, I don't think anyone's excited for it. It's like, whatever.
0: Yeah. They've been cranking those out. Haven't they?
2: they? Uh, yeah. They've been like cranking them out and they're still the exact same stuff. It's like, don't you know, do something, you know, do that stupid, like dinosaur human hybrid thing that they like, concept no. are, like. to. no, America. no, <laughs> I want be So I want bad. It. Yeah. It, uh, oh, well, God. yeah. Okay. But it would also be different.
0: It would, it would free us. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Jurassic World, more like Jurassic Purgatory, because it's all the same shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Omi wants everyone to wait out the storm, so why didn't she try to stop Beth from leaving earlier? I mean, she kind of sucks at being a protective grandmother.
2: Uh, Yeah. I would have I mean, just, just added a little scene
0: that. where Omi is just like, please don't go, please. I'm, I'm begging you. And, and then, you know, Beth wouldn't listen. So all they have to do is just have her do that. She'd be like, She could even just lie and be like, oh yeah, I won't go. And then she just leaves.
2: I kind of like that. That'd be, that'd be kind of cute. Just not wanting to lie to you know, her grandma.
0: Yeah. Because that's kind of how we are sometimes with old people. I mean, let's be honest. You know, just like, <laughs> like oh, what, she won't, yeah. what she doesn't know won't hurt her. I mean, she's crazy anyway. I and mean, she's talking about Krampus and stuff. Oh, wait a minute. Well, no, she's not. She should be. She's not saying anything <laughs> yeah. for most of the movie. Yeah, sorry. She, <laughs> she, she,
2: yeah. yeah, She's like explicitly not talking about Krampus.
0: For someone who, as we find out later, was spared so that she could tell people about Krampus. She really doesn't like to talk about Krampus.
2: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, people react to that about as realistically as they think they would in real life.
0: Yeah, maybe she tried when she was younger and people kept laughing in her face or embarrassing her that she just got jaded and was just like, fine, I won't tell you. I'll just let you die, whatever. <laughs> She's played weird. She doesn't really try very hard to save anybody. And she knows more than anybody what's you know, as we, you know, as we find out later. So I, I don't know what her deal is. Maybe she just didn't learn any lessons from any of it. (laughs) She's just like a survivor. Like, I don't know what's going on. She's just all burnt out and doesn't want to think about it.
2: I mean, she seems pretty knowledgeable.
0: So there is a little added scene. I mean, this is a scene you already have, but there's a scene where Tom and Howard are in the truck together. They're out looking for Beth. They add a little bit where Tom tries to find any working radio stations on the, on the radio. They only managed to find one broadcast that mentions that all of central Ohio is engulfed in a blizzard, including the town of Warren Valley, which only matters because that is the fictional town featured in director Michael Doherty's other film, the Halloween anthology, as we mentioned before, trick or treat. So it's like he's tying his little worlds together, you know, like how Stephen King does with fictional Maine, where like all of his stories happen in the same place.
2: Mm. Uh, that's
0: cute. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it failed, I guess, because it's only in this later edition that it, you know, like this was all cut out. (laughs) I wonder if some, you know, some editor was just like, we don't need this. This doesn't add anything. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
0: So everything happens in haunted Ohio, I guess, in Michael Doherty's uh, universe. So there you go. Ohioans. Yeah. You
2: know, we uh, had our Erie,
0: Indiana, and now we have wherever that is in Ohio. Yeah. Ossuary, Ohio. Because that's where bones go. Sure. <laughs> it's the only O I could think uh, of that oh. was like weird right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: No, that it doesn't quite work. Ominous
0: Ohio? But that's lame. I don't
2: know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, no. I'm, I'm playing some nice guitar. Oh. You can't hear it, but. It but doesn't matter. I'm going to fade this out. <laughs> Don't worry about it, folks. Welcome back to the lair of the damned.
2: At least i call it that.
0: Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> to the pit of despair. Yeah. <laughs> the devil's anus.
2: There we go. Okay. So
0: uh, where were we? I think we were just Howard and Tom. They were driving to go to Derek's house. That's Beth's boyfriend to try to find Beth. So they're stopped. They're forced to stop when they find a truck in the road. Well, it's a snowplow. So they get out of the car. They find that the keys are still in the ignition and presents lay in the passenger side seat. I don't know why the presents are there. It seems like sometimes later in the movie, presents will be put there as a way of like mocking people who have died. <laughs> it's like leaving little calling cards from like Krampus and his crew. Mm-hmm. However, I think these presents in the snowplower, they're just actually the guy's presents. So some nice man was just trying to clear the roads and something forces its way through the windshield and just kills this guy. Because they, they find there's this big hole in the driver's side door, or window, rather, and it's all imploded, or it, it's going inward. So they... He probably died a real bad death, one way or the other. And it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I mean, it's like the whole town died just because this boy lost faith in Santa Claus. Disproportionate response, guys.
2: I mean... <laughs> I don't know, they kind of assumed that. What if it's something unrelated?
0: Yeah, it could just be that it just happens for no reason at all. (laughs) It just shows up.
2: I almost feel like if they did...
0: You know, like, the boy's just like, I'm so sorry, Krampus! And he's just like, uh, who are you? (laughs) I I, I was just here, man.
2: I do almost feel like if they made a sequel to Krampus, which, to be clear, they shouldn't do, but if they did, it would be kind of like a funny, cynical thing to be like, oh, no, that other stuff was going on. That was not related to the to the main issue here.
0: Can I just say I hate it when people do that? They make a bad joke of the plot of the thing that made it famous. I've had like games and things do things like that too where they're just like, "Oh, that whole thing, oh that didn't matter." You know, like they just make a little joke about it. Uh god, what offhand
2: i'm kind of bullying.
0: Okay, well, I can think of one. See, I didn't want to bring up my nerdy, you know, oh. gaming stuff, but uh in the original Fallout, you're saving oh, the vaults yeah, with yeah, a water chip that goes, that's defective. And then later on, they're just like, oh, that didn't matter at all. There was water chips everywhere. You're just looking in the wrong place. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't that <laughs> funny? You went to all that trouble for nothing. Ha, ha, ha.
2: Uh, I mean, I guess that feels very Fallout, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, whatever. <laughs> that's a post-apocalyptic game, people, who don't play video games. Yeah. They're still making them, so you should know what it is, or at least be aware of it. Yeah. Bethesda has, has taken that title, and it's just going to ride that hog all the way to
2: hell. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the cat already did with that, that last one, but I don't know. They could maybe do worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that's neither here nor there yeah. for our purposes. Sensing that something terrible might be afoot, Howard pulls out a real sweet looking pump shotgun from some kind of elaborate fold out case, like in the trunk of his car. Yeah. His car or, or truck or whatever it is. It's like a mobile combat unit it's got you know it's it's not just that it's holding weapons it's that it's holding them in specially made form fitting containers it sinks into the you know where the gun needs to be like it's been custom made that's amazing commitment to something you'll probably never need
2: yeah, it feels very uh Bert Gummer from uh Tremors,
0: oh that guy see I was about to say Bert Gummer, yeah, we haven't gotten there yet, but <laughs> I would heartily recommend that anybody go see that first movie or, you know, find that movie, just watch it. It is a fun watch. Yeah. You can get anyone to watch it. It's great. It's action packed, sort of mm-hmm. it's folksy and approachable. Yeah. Don't worry about the sequel. Well, don't, you know, don't I mean, worry about I mean, that. Just, just watch the first one.
2: Well, I mean, I was going to say one of the great things about that series is that the further it goes on, uh, the better the movies get. <laughs>
0: I don't, you know, I I gave up really early, so I don't know, but I, I have to imagine that, that that cannot possibly be true.
2: Uh, no,
0: I know there's a point where they, where the, the creatures are flying around with, with flatulence. So, so yeah, I, I can't imagine that that movie is a winner. Yeah.
2: Peter, (laughs) uh, would you like to, who's
0: to say, I never saw Would
2: you like to know the, uh, name they use for that form of, uh, of creature.
0: No, Jacob, fill me in.
2: Okay. Uh, They call them ass blasters.
0: Of course. (laughs) Of course they did. Yeah. Real on the nose, guys. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, watch Tremors sometime. It's good. We'll get to it eventually. It's one of those movies.
3: Yeah.
0: If I have a list of like 100 greatest horror movies, it'd probably be low on the list, but it would be on that list. Yeah. I would recommend it. Yeah. Yeah check it out probably cheap oh yeah kevin bacon all right anyway howard pulls out a shotgun and a bunch of shells and he gives what looks to be a 357 magnum to tom and tom holds it from the bottom like dangling down you know like the way you would hold a dirty diaper <laughs> which i just thought was really funny he's yeah. just like oh gun this is really heavy I don't have a lot of gun experience and stuff, but I feel like I would do a little better than that. I would at least hold it like you would a gun, you know? Oh yeah. I would at least pretend. Yeah.
2: I mean, like I'm not a,
0: like, Oh, of course.
2: I'm not a gun guy, but I definitely like figured it was worth knowing enough about guns to figure out how to like hold them in a way that won't get someone shot.
0: Yeah. It actually would have been really funny if you did just hold it normally. And then Howard has to be like, you need to take your finger off of the trigger when you're just walking around. That's real bad. You know, you don't want to just squeeze it by accident.
3: Yeah.
0: Blow off your feet or something.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know that it's a 357 Magnum. It just looks like it. It's got that classic silvery look. It's got the revolver, you know, what do you call it? Uh, bullet holders. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Chambers, whatever the revolving thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool classic look, but it, You know, I've heard that they're an impractical gun. It kind of got big because of Dirty Harry, but having fired a 44, it does feel like it it wants to try to break your hand when you shoot it. So, you know, it's a little hard to use. Okay. So then we go back to the house and in probably the longest added scene. So I don't think you see any of this on, on your version. Mm -hmm. There is a nice moment where Linda and Sarah look at Sarah's carefully curated Christmas tree baubles full of family memories. Apparently Sarah saved the angel on the top of the tree. You know, Linda didn't know where that had gone off to. And there's like baby pictures in the tree. And, you know, Linda just compliments her. She's like, Oh man, you saved everything. And Sarah's just like, yeah, I, you know, I do my best. And then uh, Sarah kind of opens up a bit about how, you know, she has a lot of anxiety and because her husband's gone a lot and her kids are growing up, she feels really lonely. She doesn't use the word. I think she says quiet. <laughs> but you know, but she means lonely and she's just like, you know what? It's really nice to be able to just talk to you again, to have you here for a couple of days. And it's a really nice moment. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really add anything except it, it makes you feel bad for these people, yeah. you know, when bad things happen to them later. So there's that, Why, I guess.
2: Why'd they cut that? <laughs> I feel like that would have been the next thing to add.
0: It was nice. Yeah. Maybe just for time. Yeah. It goes on for a couple of minutes. It might be the longest ad of the whole thing. It doesn't exactly put asses in the seats when you call the naughty cut, the, the nice tree side conversation about family memories cut, <laughs> you know, or whatever.
2: <laughs> also, I have to say golden memories. I was trying to do a bit of research and the internet movie firearms database has failed me. It has no page on Krampus.
0: Okay. I was trying to figure out what, well, now it's just their fault. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know?
2: Yeah. I did my due diligence
0: it looks like a 357 but it could be any number of other similar guns there there i know there's lots that just use different cartridges and whatever close enough <laughs> sure i feel because it's it's uh, this is howard we're talking about he's a you know he's a gun nut and he's kind of ridiculous he would probably go for a 357 just because it was the gun that clint eastwood used <laughs> it just seems like something he would do yeah But then they get back to a scene that you do have where the family hears stuff moving around up in the attic and, you know, they try to blame it on squirrels. I hate that I can actually relate to this a little bit because I'm, I live in a big house with my, with my folks and my nephew, we have a big old attic and we do hear stuff thumping around up there that has no business doing that. And it's not clear if it's on top of the roof or it's in our attic. And on different occasions, it's been both. So, you know, at one point or another, and I, so, so every time I hear something thumping around, it just makes me real unhappy because <laughs> I really, I don't want to go up in the attic. We have kind of a creepy attic. It's hard to get into. And we've had some bad stuff. It's happened up there. I don't know. Did I ever tell you about that story about the rat we found up there?
2: Uh, No, I do, don't do believe you. Okay, well,
0: this is a dreadful story. So, so, so brace yourselves, everybody. This is, this is a bad story. Okay, so, all right, here we go. So, okay, so we had a lot of rats. Well, we still do sometimes, but we put out a lot of those rat traps and uh, we got the ones, I think they're, they're sometimes called crocodiles. They're like a bl- big black jaws and they're supposed to come down and, you know, break the spine or neck of a rat that's come to eat the food of whatever you know, whatever bait you put there. And so for a while I was living, I think I was downstairs at the time and i kept hearing a thump and i thought it was somebody upstairs and and it turns out i went up there to complain after about a week of it i'm just like who keeps thumping and my mom or i forget it was either my mom or my stepdad she's just like i thought you were thumping i don't know who's doing all this thumping and so we all like once we talked to everybody in the house that it could possibly be we realized that it was nobody and so the only option was that somebody was or something was tapping like one of the wood timbers and it was, you know, thumping through the whole house. So we figured out the hard way that it was a rat up in the attic. It had triggered the, the trap and it had come down on its head, but it hadn't fully killed it. So it was like <laughs> it, it it took the whole rat trap and was thumping it against the wall like the wood. It's yeah. just like bump, bump, bump. And I didn't see it. I, I, I think, I think my lucky stars, I never saw it. I luckily we got my, 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 stepdad to go up there. I feel a little bad, you know, for being a wuss, but I really didn't want to see what it was. He said that it was, it was kind of brain dead. Like it was, it was more like a muscle action thing, which is way worse. Yeah. That it, it's just like, you know, it was just twitching. Basically. It's just like, right. right. <laughs>
2: that's, uh, that's horrible.
0: So yeah, so that's the attic. I don't like going up into.
2: Uh.
0: <laughs> I, We've had some raccoons up there too, so you know. Yeah, that was that was one for. One for that one that one haunted me for a long time. I'm not gonna lie. Uh,
2: yeah, let's that, let's.
0: <laughs> just the idea of that is just so horrible. Yeah. It sounds like something that would be in a Stephen King story. Oh know, yeah. it really happened.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, if it was a Stephen King story you would have gone up to see it. Yeah. And it would have, and and like the rat would have like tried to attack you.
0: Maybe. I don't actually know what my dad did to finish it. I don't want to know. It's one of those, the less I know the better about all of that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm more of a poisoner. I don't like the mechanical traps. I want them to just go quietly die somewhere and just, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever have to deal with it Yeah. (laughs) for exactly that reason. It's just so horrible.
2: I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, poisoning's not a great way to go either, but I mean, there aren't aren't a lot of great options.
0: Yeah, there aren't any. So, uh, you know, happy Christmas, everybody, (laughs) you know, sweet dreams tonight. Think about that rat in my attic (laughs) and how he persisted for like a week. That was the weirdest thing is that he was, he was up there like that for so long. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway. Okay, so yeah, like, let's let's move on. Yeah, you're I?
2: like you're bringing down the house like that girl in Gremlins.
0: Yeah, Phoebe yeah. Cates and her wonderful story. I actually, I think I bring it up in my notes in here somewhere. <laughs> huh. I love that story in Gremlins. Oh. It's it's out of nowhere yeah, and I it's guess. just <laughs> it's totally extraneous and yet feels utterly necessary to the story somehow. And I can't tell you why. No. If you haven't seen Gremlins, watch it. Watch that scene and just try to make heads or tails of it. Why she just tells everybody about the time her dad died in the chimney in a Santa outfit.
3: Yeah.
0: And that's how I learned there was no Santa Claus. Ooh boy, Phoebe. Oh boy. Okay. Where the hell were we? Um let's see. Oh yeah, that's right. Squirrels in the attic. That's why we brought this up. Oh geez. I really wish I hadn't remembered that. They go back with Tom and Howard or we go back with Tom and Howard and we see them enter the frostbitten home of Beth's boyfriend, Derek out in the living room. They find a chimney all smashed outward, like something too big. had forced its way through. There are uh hoof prints on the floor. If Derek was going to be in this movie physically, this is where he would be, but everyone's gone. Everything's missing and smashed up. I wonder if it's miles in every direction. Every household is just destroyed. I, I kind of wonder what, a post Krampus Ohio would be like, because it's not clear at the end of the movie, what happens in certain things. I don't want to give it away yet, but if enough of this is true, it means that probably thousands, you know, or maybe even tens of thousands of people died or were brought to Krampus hell or wherever. Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird if that's actually what happened? And they just find like candy canes everywhere. He did it all in one night. (laughs) Just like Santa Claus. They hear Beth screaming for help somewhere outside. Tom rushes out while Howard lags behind a bit in the deep snow. Something under the snow bites onto Howard's leg and starts dragging him around. Tom fires a few shots with his gun, which scares it away. Tom and Howard head for Howard's truck, only to find that it's been totally destroyed. Something totally totaled it. It's weird that they didn't hear that though. Like they must've, something must've very quietly destroyed his truck. Yeah. Maybe also the family, because you know, they don't live that far away. It's like four blocks away. Sarah is about to go look for them when Tom and Howard rush in. I love that. Howard flips out real early on. He's just like, grab all the pots and pans and prepare yourselves. And then Tom has to be like, no, listen, you have to pretend like you're an adult for the children (laughs) so that they don't flip out. Yeah. You know, and he's just like, oh, yeah, right, of course. All right. Kind of a nice moment, in a way. Yeah. They do that annoying thing where they shoo the children into another room so that they can, like, they can tell the truth to one another, and then they'll bring the kids in afterwards once they've formulated a pleasant lie to tell their offspring.
2: Yeah, I gotta feel like this would be one of those times when you uh, you gotta learn about. I mean, if...
0: Maybe, although they also did need to dress Howard's wound. I forgot. See, we were mentioning earlier about the crunchy noises oh, when Howard yeah, yeah. gets grabbed in the snow. Yeah, he gets dragged around. It sounds like his leg is chewed off by the, the 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 kinds of sounds you hear. Just crunches and twists and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then when you see it, it's more like a little shark bite, just kind of a bite shape. I don't know why they add so much, maybe just to make it more dramatic. Is that a mark against the sound design? I I kind of like the sounds. It's just that it's it's a little misleading. It's not realistic, I suppose. Uh, yeah,
2: it's a little bit. I think. I mean, yeah, like I said, when he gets like, yeah, because he gets like buried down down yeah. to his like armpits and you're like crunch, and I'm like, oh, you just you yeah. just got snapped in half. That's like that that, that was that wasn't a chomp.
0: Yeah, I thought it would be one of those. Yeah, like in um, Starship Troopers or something. Or, like when you pull up <laughs> someone and it's just like their top half. Yeah. The rest of it's gone. Oh my God. While in the kitchen, Aunt Dorothy shows the kids how to make peppermint schnapps. (laughs) And then she lets Howard Jr. Drink some. Oh, Dorothy, you're such a character. (laughs) Yeah. Don't you rat on me, kids. I thought that was funny. I'm glad, honestly, that they just dope up Howard Jr. Because that kid creeps me out. I just want him to get drunk and pass out. (laughs) Just just go away, kid. (laughs)
2: I mean, like I'm not con.
0: Could someone sedate him, please?
2: I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not condoning it, obviously, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do in desperate
0: situations. That poor kid. I mean, yeah, he's cast perfectly, <laughs> just that kind of slack jawed look and everything. Yeah. He's like a mistake of nature, you know.
2: <laughs> okay, I thought I was being a little harsh on him.
0: Yeah. Well, man. Uh- yeah. So in the living room, the adults try to make sense of the damaged, largely abandoned neighborhood. Sarah wants to go back out to look for Beth, but Howard shows the frost burns on his skin from just being outside for a few minutes in negative 20 degree weather. For those of you who use Celsius, that would be negative 29 degrees. I mean, whatever. They're both real bad. <laughs> I feel like negative 20 in any system is bad.
2: Uh, yeah. Not ideal.
0: I have walked around in negative 11 when it's really still, it's fine. But you know, whenever there was a, even the slightest breeze, it would cut through anything you had on and you would have to just stop and wait for the breeze to to, to subside before you could continue on with your day. I distinctly remember that I was walking home from a class. Yeah. And it was negative 10 or negative 11 and uh, everything was, was fine. You know, cause when the air is still, you don't really feel it. Mm-hmm. But then there was just 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 the slightest breath of a breeze and it felt like like an ice dagger just like slipped through my coat. and I'm just like, oh, and I just like almost doubled over had to just wait for the the very low breeze to go away. Yeah, it's weird that way. There was a really
2: bad snowstorm in uh, Seattle that I got caught in. That was probably the worst. That one, I think, ended up killing people. Like
0: uh, was that the the record one where like it it started flooding afterwards when it all melted? Yeah, it, was
2: it? They gave it like a, a stupid name like Snowbegan or something.
0: <laughs> of course they did. Yeah, yeah. It never gets super cold around around these parts on in the West Coast areas. It's it's more mild and kind of mediocre, <laughs> medium degree temperate. You know.
2: Yeah, although like when that happens, it, it means that nobody is prepared for it. So, it's, yeah, it's, so it's, Th- that is true. Yeah. And
0: in places that don't expect weather, they're the ones that get the worst of it because people just aren't prepared. They have no idea. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> if it gets real cold, like if it got to be negative 10 around where I live right now, you know, like in the kind of Seattle-ish area, mm-hmm. yeah, people would be straight up dying just because they wouldn't understand.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. We had a heat wave, I think, just this last year. and And that was a bad one. We don't have central air conditioning in these parts. And a lot of the houses around here were built with the assumption. It's just like, oh, it'll never be that hot. You don't really need it.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that's a stupid assumption. I don't care what place you live in. You should not be assuming it's never going to be an uncomfortable temperature.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: That was a miscalculation on their part. So anyway, Tom decides, you know, well, I don't know. They all decide to board up all the doors and windows and just wait out the storm. Again, this is what Omi said earlier. It is the right decision. And I wish that they would just continue to do that. They changed their mind later. But, you know, at least for now, they're doing the right thing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Howard apologizes for thinking that Tom was a spineless dick all these years. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
2: oh, thanks. Yeah. All right. (laughs)
0: All right. I mean, I didn't know you felt that way about me, but uh, I'm glad that's no longer the case. So, uh, yeah. Howard suggests that they should take turns keeping watch and agrees to go first. Then he just immediately falls asleep (laughs) right off the bat. The kids are playing something on a tablet or laptop. I'm not sure what it is, but whatever it is, the the battery dies because they they fall asleep with it on. So that sucks. And the fire goes out, even though Omi kept telling them, like, you got to maintain this fire. It's a big deal, guys. So we get a, a hooked chain that descends from the chimney from up above with a ginger man, a ginger man. Well, a gingerbread man attached. It's clearly bait. But unfortunately, the only one who wakes up... See, you know, I feel bad now. See, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, I was being mean to Howard Jr. But here I actually wrote that he is a little idiotic troglodyte. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm being so mean to this kid, but I mean, he's falling for an obvious trap. I mean, it's a chain in the middle of a chimney with a gingerbread man attached to it.
3: Yeah.
0: You really shouldn't walk up to something like that. Like ever it's, it's, you know, it's, it's clearly a trap,
1: Yeah.
3: but
0: he falls for it. He, he, you know, he, he grabs a, he grabs it. He takes a bite out of its head. And I do love that. The gingerbread man. It's not just that it comes to life. Instead, it comes to life, and then it's mad that its head was bitten. It's just like, <laughs> what'd you just do? You know, if the kid was greedier, he might have been okay. He could have just bitten off most of his eyes, and then the gingerbread man wouldn't be able to see him.
2: Yeah, oh god, that would almost be funnier. Okay, how I might have filmed the scene, let's say like, the gingerbread man comes to life as he's opening his mouth, and then the kid bites down immediately just goes limp.
0: Yeah. Like ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> he was too fast for me. He was too hungry. <laughs> We're going to need to send another gingerbread man. Who's going to volunteer? Yeah.
2: No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He like bites down, kills the gingerbread man, and then some like long hands reach him and grab him anyway.
0: <laughs> you're like, "Oh, whatever." Like, oh,
2: okay, all right."
0: The gingerbread man comes to life and wraps him up in the hook chain and uh, you know starts dragging him up. And people don't wake up from all of this noise and confusion until he's already like halfway up the chimney, which is very annoying to me. I don't like how inept everyone is, is shown to be in this when it comes to saving children. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they do a poor job with all of them. Every time a <laughs> child is in danger, they do a real poor job yeah. of saving that kid.
2: Pretty bad track record.
0: Yeah, they do. Sarah grabs his legs, Howard Jr., and starts getting dragged up too. So then the rest of the adults grab her legs and they kind of hold on like a, kind of a ladder style. And then somehow someone kicks a smoldering fire log full of embers under the presents that are presents under the tree. Mm-hmm. So the tree immediately goes up. And if you've ever seen those videos fire departments make for just how fast a Christmas tree fire can rage out of control. You know this is 100% accurate. (laughs) The whole tree lights up in like two seconds. It's like, foof. Yeah. Here's a little safety shout out, everybody. Water those trees. Keep sockets clear. You don't want heat sources anywhere near any of that stuff. Only you can prevent having Christmas memories like those of Phoebe Cates in Kremlins.
2: Yeah, but also don't listen to them about the whole deep frying turkey thing. It's delicious. Just do it.
0: Oh, man, that is amazing footage. (laughs) Apparently, the thing is that you actually have to thaw out the turkey. I think it's the temperature difference. But no, don't attempt it. (laughs) Don't don't think that you're going to be the one that'll figure it out. I don't want your death on my hands, folks. It's pretty good, man. One way or another, you know, they, they go to put out the fire, and it creates just enough of a distraction that they let go of Howard Jr., and he just disappears up into the darkness. And then Howard you know, the the father. He looks up the chimney after his son and like an insult, a single shoe falls down and smacks him in the face. Smacked by his own son's shoe. Beautiful. Bombs away! You will notice that I do not bemoan Howard Jr.'s fate. Not to be rude, but yeah. I feel better after he's gone.
2: (laughs) I mean, you never want to say this about a dead kid, but like... He
0: kind of had it coming. Sort of? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, the only things he did, let me think, he belched in someone's face and then otherwise he was just kind of slack-jawed. Uh, yeah, I don't remember if he even said anything else. He's he's like a zombie. Uh,
2: I, I really meant more... <laughs> he led
0: some kind of half-life.
2: <laughs> I, I really meant more that uh, he shouldn't have fallen for
0: that. Oh, well, yes. He did have it coming. I mean, yeah, that's just... Like, what are you thinking, kid? (laughs) How did you think this would go? Omi interrupts their sorrow and guilt by relighting the fire and finally speaking some English. So she tells a real, real, real sad story about war-torn wherever. I guess it must be Germany because she's speaking German. Mm -hmm. She seems to be a German lady, right? Uh, But it's some kind of war-torn place and she's in a bread line. So I don't know if this is maybe right after World War II or something. I actually have uh, no idea. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I never really thought about I, it.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know.
0: Maybe she's a German speaker, but she's you know maybe in like Poland or some other place. That would make more sense, but I I don't know.
2: I I mean, I'm,
0: so anyway, yeah. she tells you first.
2: Oh, I mean, I was gonna say. I, I mean, I'm sure that German people weren't doing great for a while. So the man,
0: <laughs> yeah, probably not. She tells a story about you know how. The people of her town became bitter and lost hope and uh, this invited Krampus into their lives and it caused him to come and take things away. So I actually have a clip of that moment. So I'm going to play that. Brace yourselves everybody. I will.
1: I knew St. Nicholas was not coming this year. Instead it was a much darker, more ancient spirit the shadow of Saint Nicholas it was Krampus and as he had for thousands of years Krampus came not to reward but to punish not to give but to take
0: he kills her parents or takes them whatever and he leaves her a, a fun little bell. And, you know, I'm not... I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not really a huge fan of this movie, but I really do want that bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have that bell on my shelf.
3: Yeah.
0: Girls from Krampus. Krampus spared her and left her a neat-looking bell, like I said. And <sighs> Howard thinks the story is crazy. And, I mean, it kind of is. So <laughs> you can't really blame him.
2: yeah. But at that point, what else could it be?
0: <laughs> I, I, I would be pr- enough weird stuff has happened that, yeah, you would at least not rule it out. I suppose. Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't know. I guess that maybe that's a. Uh, I have a low bar for immediately jumping to uh, something supernatural must have done it. I guess, but I don't know. <laughs>
0: maybe so. However, one of your children was just pulled up a chimney by like a weird chain thing. Yeah. Sarah doesn't say anything, but she actually did see one of the gingerbread men alive. He dangles down on the chain when she's in the chimney. Oh, so well, she knows some weird stuff's going on. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. But Howard didn't see that. And so he just wants to go storm off and find his son. I don't know why he's storming outside, you know, because he went up the chimney. So he would be, well, I guess he might be on the roof. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess you got to try something. I, I think I would have checked upstairs first, like maybe up in the attic before going outside.
3: Yeah.
0: Or at least I thought so. I was trying to think because I, so wait, if they did just go out on the roof, does that mean that the gingerbread man were just like waiting outside? It'd be really cold for cookie men to, you know, organize an attack out on the roof. I feel like they had the feeling that they were just up in the attic and they somehow got into the chimney. Like maybe they dug a hole or or something. Uh,
2: I don't know. I mean, they're like magic, right? I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they have to worry about
0: getting cold. Yeah, maybe not. They do have to worry about getting eaten, though. Well, yeah, because they were clearly eatable.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's yeah. I'll I'll wait for the uh, the.
0: Cr- I bet they taste really good.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: The yard is full of snowmen and cackling Krampus helpers. Later on, they they identify themselves as elves. Yeah, or other people identify them. They don't really speak. Yeah, so they flee back inside. And, uh, and then they just kind of wait things out. It goes to December 24th, Christmas Eve. The storm worsens. And here's another little added scene, I think, from In the Naughty Cut. Max offers Stevie and Jordan some of his saved-up Halloween candy. And I just wrote, who saves it for this long? I mean, like, what you've been sitting on your Halloween candy for, like, two months. Yeah, wow. Maybe he's rationing it for himself. I guess. He's trying to make the girls feel better, but... The big reason they do this is just because when he opens the box, there's a lollipop and it's the lollipop from the character Sam from trick our treat. It's like the, uh, he uses it as a weapon in that movie. Yeah. You'll note, however, that Sam's has a, a bite taken out of it so that he can use it as a weapon. Whereas the one in depicted in this movie is a full lollipop. So I guess it's like the same brand of Halloween face lollipops. <laughs> and this one just hasn't been eaten yet. Yeah it seems like the most notable additions of the naughty cut involved mostly just tying his films together. You know? Yeah. I wonder if this is just his pet stuff, you know, like stuff he thinks is interesting.
2: <laughs> I I mean, I guess I can't blame the guy.
0: If I was making horror movies, I would also attempt to do that, but it is very self-serving. So, I mean, I can't blame editors for being like, eh, we don't, we don't really need this. This doesn't really add much. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to throw in a reference, I, I would put it in a vital scene where it has to stay, but <laughs> have it in the background or something. Hours pass, and the family sits in quiet misery and just waits, which again, this is what Omi told them to do. And so uh, if they just kept doing this, they would be fine. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be repetitive, but they'd all still be alive if they had just done that. <laughs> I mean, not to spoil things, but at least some of them from here on will die or be captured I don't know it's not clear what Krampus is doing here you know when he grabs these kids I I think they're maybe they're captured to be taken later or maybe they're dead because sometimes it sounds like they're being digested or, or killed or cut up and sometimes they're just kind of being grabbed and I don't know yeah the motives of why Krampus is doing what he's doing are unclear at best so Stevie and Jordan ask Omi like well okay well what do we do what if we're really good people? Won't Krampus go away? And, you know, and Omi's just like, it's not what you do. It's what you believe. So even being good doesn't help. How depressing is that? I, yeah. It's crappy themes like that. That made me dislike the Narnia films, you know, because they were just like, <laughs> oh, you don't believe in Aslan. Oh, well, I mean, I know you're a good person, but you don't believe in Aslan. So um, we're going to have your whole country get attacked and almost die because you don't believe in him. You don't believe in Jesus, (laughs) lion?
2: Yeah, I mean, not to get into it too much, but it does feel very Christian. So, hey, in keeping with the holidays,
0: it's very preachy of something. It's not necessarily. I mean, this is almost pre-Christian in a way, anyway. But yeah, it's. I, I don't. I just don't like that. That weird unacceptable stance, you know, where you just have to be an adherent to a very specific set of beliefs yeah, yeah. that you might not know anything about. Yeah. I'd probably die in this scenario just because I'm you know I'm contrary. And I'd just be like, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about any of this. I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't care. I'm gonna die.
2: Frankly this whole thing feels kind of messed up.
0: Like what, you're gonna just kill us all to prove a point? Well do it then. <laughs> I'm not playing your games, sir. linda moves the burnt christmas gifts into a, a bedroom i think it's beth's room i mean i guess it doesn't matter which bedroom it is but it's it's one that no one's in and uh the packages start to come alive you know surprise surprise the mysterious gifts that were left on the porch were a trap i mean i i get that they weren't thinking about it before but i feel like There's a lot of things that people just don't think about. There's, I don't know, maybe, maybe the movie just needed another rewrite to just give people more credit, to double check stuff and to look into things a little more deeply. I I guess just a little bit. I just want a movie where people are doing the right thing. (laughs) It's kind of a
2: played out joke, but we're, we're in the wrong genre for that, unfortunately.
0: That's true this movie does do one thing I do like though. It goes out of its way to make you understand and even care about characters that you don't really need to. Oh
3: yeah.
0: I mean, even like most of Howard's children, I actually like most of them, even though they're, you know, like the, uh, you know, Stevie and Jordan are both pretty unpleasant, but I can kind of get where they're coming from and I can relate to that. And like the life they've led, but but it doesn't quite work out in this one because I don't want to give away the ending yet, but you know, (laughs) A lot of buildup for nothing, really. I mean, I'll put it that way. (laughs) Why did we spend all this time getting to know these people? (laughs) Yeah. I realize the movie needs to have stuff happen in it, but I guess I'd have preferred it if they were forced by unfortunate circumstances to to split up rather than choose to do so of their own volition. (laughs) (laughs) And in that vein, Tom and Sarah lay out a plan to try to go help. I'm confused by their plan. So I think they're supposed to go to the snowplow and then drive it to the local mall. And they just assume that there will be help there. And if not, then they'll just keep driving. So it just doesn't strike me as a good plan to begin with. And I don't know why they want to do it. I think the idea is that because Beth is missing and now Howard jr. Is also missing that they mean to go hurry up and get help so that they can save the people they've already lost it's almost like by loving people, they're dooming everyone else. So, I mean, is that the moral of the story that they should have just cut their losses and just like sat there? Well, they're gone. Whatever.
2: I, I don't think they were thinking about it that way.
0: I hope not. Cause they, yeah, again, very bleak. Yeah. Those children were unbelievers. Yeah. You know, like if you were in a Willy Wonka factory and you know, like Augustus Gloop just went into the chocolate river. He's like, whatever. He was stupid. Let's not try to save him. <laughs> Although, I, wait, come to think of it, that is kind of how it is in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Let's <laughs> just shrug it off. Yeah, whatever. I mean, she's a blueberry now. Whatever. Go to the juicing room. Mm-hmm. Max is looking outside with a pair of binoculars, and he, he spots Krampus on a, a nearby rooftop. So I guess Krampus is a bit of a looky-loo. I mean, that is kind of is. I mean, his, it adds nothing. Yeah. I, I just think it's kind of neat. Yeah. I guess it is kind of his thing. He is a lucky (laughs) Lou. He more than Santa really wants to know your business and what you believe and how you believe.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, uh, it really makes you appreciate Santa.
0: Yeah. Although it also hurts Santa because at least in Austrian traditions, it seems like these two guys kind of work together. So I just feel like there's some kind of real weird relationship going on here. Like they're two halves of a coin or something.
2: I never got that impression. I don't know. That's always that, like, well, I don't know. That thing where there's like the good spiritual entity and then there's the bad one. It's like, well, don't, why don't listen to the good one just do something about the bad one?
0: Well, I mean, I guess if you're acknowledging that, you know, there's good and bad parts of everybody, you kind of have to have them as two essential parts of nature, you know, the yin and the yang, the good and the bad. But I don't know if that's exactly what they're going for. It just seems, I don't know. I wonder if Krampus and Santa have weird conversations. <laughs> like, don't you want to let those kids go, Krampus? No. They were bad, and you know it! I feel like you. He... Why'd you go hang out with your, your Keebler elves?
2: <laughs> I feel like he could do something
0: with that. A, a very weird movie. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if this is an added scene or not. I almost hope it is because it's unpleasant and I don't want him to bring it up. But there's a part where either Stevie or Jordan, I think it's Jordan, says that the downstairs toilet is all clogged from Aunt Dorothy. She clogged the toilet. She didn't fix it. And so they have to go to the upstairs bathroom just to be able to use a bathroom. And Jordan is scared, and so she wants uh, Stevie to go with her. I've seen enough horror movies to know that this is just a thin excuse to force people to separate so that they can get themselves in trouble and then Get captured, and then even more people have to go endanger themselves to try to stop it.
2: Yeah, God, I don't.
0: So Aunt Dorothy just killed everybody with her with her pooping ways.
2: God, I can't remember. Good going. Uh, I can't Dorothy. remember that dialogue, but I also can't remember why they went upstairs. So I like.
0: It might be that they took it out and just went up there without any explanation in the theatrical cut. And I could be wrong about that. I've only recently now oh, you know watched what? the naughty cut. So,
2: oh, you know, what? I actually like, I have I clicked to the exact moment of dialogue. So yeah, no, that's in, it's in there.
0: Oh God. I wish it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't want it to be Dorothy's fault. It's such a terrible aspect of it, you know? <laughs> like why well, everyone's in trouble because you you couldn't use a plunger. You suck, Aunt Dorothy.
2: I mean, hey, she, for Dean, no, not, I mean, she like tries her best later
0: on. Yeah, she does. She, she does. Okay. Which we'll get to. We're coming up on yeah. that. So uh, yeah, the two sisters are, they're about to head into the bathroom in the, the hall on the second floor and they hear, Well, I was going to say they hear Beth's voice, but they don't. They hear an approximation of Beth's voice. It's not a very perfect imitation. It sounds like mechanical, like an obvious trap. And I hate it because it's a disconnected voice. And Stevie and Jordan are just, hey, everybody's been looking for you. Why don't you come down? And, and, and Beth's voice, yeah. you know, quote unquote, is just like, no, no, no. You need to come up here. I've been waiting for you. It's such an obvious, creepy thing to say. <laughs> and, and they only go up there because apparently they're written to be idiots. And I, I, I kind of hate that. I actually rewrote the scene for myself for everyone's benefit because of how much I don't like this scene, you know, where they just go up there and get in trouble. Because imagine this instead. Imagine that they go up there, you know, and they hear this voice. They're like, hey, you should come up and, you know, whatever. And then Stevie and Jordan are just like, no, um, you can come down here. I mean, it's actually a really big deal. You need to come down right now. And the voice is just like, no. And, you know, and then they get creeped out when they realize it's not her. And they go downstairs and they tell everybody. And then Sarah, you know, Beth's mom, hearing that Beth's voice is upstairs. Like, even if it's, even if the possibility that it really is Beth is, al- is almost zero, you know that a mom is going to go up there and be absolutely sure. So she would insist on going back and going up there, and then they could just get in trouble, and you don't have to insult anyone's intelligence for having done so. Why, like why, why, why do they have to be dumb and just go up there and get caught?
2: Yeah, I see what you mean.
0: I mean, it's, it's kind of a minor point. It's just that I like to give everyone credit, even characters you're not supposed to necessarily like, I don't dislike the girls. I mean, they are mean and stuff, but whatever. I mean, I feel like most of these people are kind of just normal. I mean, we, we have people like this either in our lives or at least we're aware of them. Yeah. They're out in the world. I don't feel like we need to show them being murdered to give me some kind of a, a catharsis or something. <laughs> like, you know, I'd rather they just be depicted as people and do a good job. Hmm. I can, I, can, I don't know. Call me an optimist. I,
2: I can agree with that. <laughs>
0: So anyway, they go up there and, you know, they get caught by, uh, by a jack in the box. But well, we don't know that immediately. But, you know, we hear a ruckus downstairs or upstairs. And while the parents are going up there to check it out, Max says to Omi. Oh, wait, wait I have the line, so I'm going to play it. It's a it's a it's a short line, but it's funny. All right. So here we go. Um,
1: hmm. I think all this might be my fault.
0: <laughs> yeah, kid, it is. It's all your fault. oh you think you lost the joy of Christmas in your heart Max Mr. Engels I mean again I feel like the movie is just sort of like you know what this is your fault kid (laughs) you just cost all these people their lives because you couldn't send a letter to Santa Claus I
2: don't know I like I'm not going to say the movie doesn't have like a a cynical attitude but I don't think it's intended to be as, like, mean-spirited as, as you're uh, your saying.
0: It's possible that, I'm, I, you know, that I am interpreting it poorly. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to that. Because we're not to the end yet, but yeah. Okay. So at the same time that all the... I think Linda, Sarah, and Tom go upstairs, and then Howard, he's injured still. I mean, he's injured for the rest of the movie. Hmm. He hears something going on in the kitchen, so he goes to investigate that all by himself. You know, that old trope.
3: Yeah,
0: I'm going to go investigate a noise. Although, in his defense, he does try to get the bulldog Rosie to follow him along, and the dog refuses. (laughs) That dog knows. She knows what's up. Like, I ain't going in there. Upstairs, Linda finds all the gift boxes open from the inside out. There's a box for a jack-in-the-box, like the one that Beth was captured by. And there's an opened tin of gingerbread cookie men they find a huge bloated Jack in the box, like around a corner, just, just finishing swallowing Jordan. I thought at first that it had swallowed both because it's enormous, but I guess it only swallowed one of the girls. And it's just like tucking her shoes into its mouth when they find it. And I know it's horrifying. What's what they're seeing. It's got a detachable jaw. It's all gooey and gross. It's something you're not expecting to see, but there are so many scenes with people standing near this thing and they keep on not grabbing it and they keep on not getting the girl out of it. And it just, it just drives me crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Although I have to admit that.
0: It, yeah. I just can't stand it.
2: Yeah. That's sort of like resigned. Like you gotta be kidding me. Is like, yeah, I guess that's about how I'd feel if I actually saw a monster. I mean, it'd be horrifying, but. Good God.
0: Really? Yeah. Tom shoots at it after it finishes swallowing the girl <laughs> and it just kind of escapes question mark. It kind of just slithers out of sight and they just forget about it for a while, which again, yeah, like it's real, it's real annoying to me because it's a big cumbersome thing and it's hard to move itself. Like it's really hard to drag its body mm. around. Yeah. I hate thinking about it. So, you know, I'm just going to try to, like, go through this part quickly. Howard at least does better. He's down in the kitchen, and he, uh, he gets shot by three ginger men holding... Ginger men. <laughs> I keep saying that. Three gingerbread men
2: uh,
0: holding a nail gun. I mean, we assume
2: they're bread, but who knows?
0: Yeah. They could be redheads. Peter,
2: come on.
0: Oh, I have to say, though, I love these gingerbread men. The, the way they look and the way they sound and the way they act is all great. I wish... There had been so much more of them in the
2: movie.
0: There's so much fun to watch.
2: I mean, I feel that way about like all of the creatures in this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. Some I like more than others. Yeah,
2: I mean, like not just the signs, but like yeah, like little oh, you know gingerbread men. They have a personality
0: to, to them. Yeah, I was going to bring it up later, but I, I mean, I I kind of wish there was just more of this stuff being showcased earlier in the film. I like a good character development but i wouldn't have minded some kind of um like a cold open showing something weird happening with them or you could have shown like what was happening to one of these families that are all just gone so you could show like the tail end of another battle in another house you know with people getting captured by gingerbread men just to add a little bit of action and show that stuff's happening there's a lot of waiting in the movie which i i kind of dislike
2: i mean i guess it'd be hard to do that though Just like timeline wise, the movie. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't mind the way it plays out. There's the uncomfortable family stuff at the beginning, but it's like 20 minutes and then the movie gets into the supernatural stuff. I appreciate that it kind of goes like, all right, we set this up. Now let's get going.
0: Once it starts, it really, it really goes. It, It really shifts gear and the whole tone changes. Okay, so Howard manages to shoot the lamp next to the gingerbread men and uh, sets them all on fire. It's pretty awesome, actually.
2: Yeah. Also, more personality from little gingerbread monsters there. The way they just kind of, like, scream and ride around, it's just funny.
0: Yeah. I like that they value their own (laughs) lives.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, no!
0: (laughs) So, upstairs, Sarah is attacked by some kind of an evil angel Puppets? I don't know what it is, actually. Some kind of angel monster thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know if you had a better name for it. I I, couldn't figure it it out. It looks a little like one of those angels you put on top of a Christmas tree.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Sort of. I don't
2: know. I mean, whatever it is. And then uh,
0: Linda. It looks cool. I love it. Yeah, it's it's a creepy thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Linda is mauled by a rabid teddy bear monster. (laughs) And then Tom is attacked by some kind of an evil toy robot. It's just like all these things just emerge at the same time and attack them just to keep them all distracted Yeah, you know and it almost works because they're all so fixated on their own thing that they're all distracted and it lets the uh, what do you call it that jack-in-the-box monster start to just clumsily fumble its way towards an air vent and it keeps showing it again and again i wish it didn't show us because it keeps it, it gives you this anticipation like oh man they gotta save that kid there's a ticking clock you know, I'm just going to tell you right now, that doesn't go anywhere. They don't save that kid. So I don't know why they kept showing us. I mean, it just frustrates me. Like I don't want to be reminded of their incompetence, you know? You know what I mean? Like like just all right, if it's going to go, then just go. I mean, like
2: I'm not going to say raises the stakes, but it just
0: I I I don't mind the t- It does give stakes, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. The last two flaming gingerbread men that are left charge Howard. He pastes one with the shotgun, but misses the the last one. It leaps at him with a sharpened candy cane. And then, uh, you know, David you know, Howard, he like, he closes his eyes. He thinks he's going to just die, I guess. I mean, he sort of gives up. But uh, luckily, Rosie comes in at the last second and and eats him out of the air. Mm -hmm. So, you know, good girl, I guess.
2: Yeah. Oh, I don't know. He's a good doggy. I don't know if he was like expecting to die, but I feel like something's like leaping at my face and going to stab it. I'll probably flinch.
0: I suppose the angel puppet gets some kind of Christmas tree lights from out of the box and starts hanging Sarah up by her neck up on a rafter. So Linda sees one of her daughters unconscious on the ground. I think it's Stevie. So she grabs an icicle because everything's frozen wherever these bad monsters are. So, so she grabs an icicle stabs the bear she's fighting in the eye and then throws it down the stairs (laughs) and it makes a little Wilhelm scream. Which always makes me happy. (sighs) Linda cuts Sarah down with an axe and then bashes the robot off of Tom's back. So basically she saves everybody. She has like a, a mother moment and it's great. Although she's not quite able to stop the Jack in the Box. Like she's right about to swing at it and it gets away. And it once again just frustrates me because... I just feel like they should have saved the daughter from the jack-in-the-box and then just have her get captured a different way later. I just don't know why they they draw that one out. There's a lot of ways they could get grabbed again.
2: I guess. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it bothered me.
0: Well, it bothered me, Jacob. No, I know. I'm... Linda finds Stevie wrapped up on the floor. I guess she was going to be eaten next. They all go downstairs. Howard is back from his adventure in the kitchen, so they all kind of Regroup. They hear the Jack in the Box struggling to leave the house. Like it's not even good at being a monster, you know. Like it's it's having a real hard time going through the air vents. So Max releases Rosie into the air vents after it, and Rosie actually manages to get the thing to come crashing out of the ceiling right in front of them. I mean, well, this is the one that bothers me the most because it's literally laying there like semi-conscious in front of them, yeah. And they still manage to not save their daughter. I.
2: I have to admit, uh, during that part of the scene when I first watched it, I thought we were going to get a sweet, the family teaming up and tearing that thing apart scene, which would have been a fun little uh, bit of family togetherness. They're all working together.
0: A moment of bonding in violence. The best kind. So Howard goes to shoot it, and the angel puppet emerges from the hole in the ceiling and attacks him, so he gets distracted. And then the injured teddy bear. The teddy bear monster climbs up on the back of the sofa and is about to attack Omi when aunt Dorothy takes up the shotgun and pastes the bear's puppet brains all over the far wall. I don't know if I feel like they might've lengthened that shot of the, of the bear, like getting destroyed in the naughty cut, but I'm not positive. I need to do a side-by-side comparison.
2: I could see that. It like,
0: I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. It seems like you get a pretty good shot of the inside of the bear's head in the cut I have. So I don't know if they change that for the regular or not.
2: It's real brief.
0: multi uh, the theatrical one. Okay. They throw the angel free and then Dorothy kills that thing too. Actually, I really love that kill because she shoots it out of the air, you know, like it's a like a clay pigeon. Yeah. And then the angel flies into the wreath over the fireplace and it looks like it's there on purpose. Like it's part of the, the display. Yeah. A little dead angel monster. <laughs> It's a nice touch, yeah
2: that's so.
0: Oh, yeah, and then Tom rather dramatically says, "Aunt Dorothy, finish it," and she's like, with pleasure, and you feel like, again, yeah, you feel like the movie's about to become positive, <laughs> maybe things will be okay, but hey, uh, a bunch of elves burst in through a boarded up window. They just intervene at this random moment, maybe they sense that things are about to turn, and that, you know they're about to succeed. Right. They boarded up the window and and the fireplace still has a fire going. Even when they they get in, they have to go kick out the fire because I guess they don't like open flame or something. I know there's a lot of old fairy tale myths about bad things getting into your house if you don't keep the embers burning. So it's probably tied up with that somehow, you know? Sure. But whatever it is, it robs them of saving Jordan, which is, yeah, as I said before, very frustrating to me. So a bunch of masked elf hooligans run in and douse the fire. (laughs) They hold everyone at bay with ancient jagged weapons. The elves grab Chrissy, the baby everyone left unattended. And they actually show multiple shots of this baby crying by itself and like nobody helping (laughs) it or picking it up. It really bothers me. I mean, I know they're busy and I think last person to hold it was, I shouldn't say it, hold her, is Aunt Dorothy. But, you know, but she got busy with the shotgun, so I guess she just forgot about the baby.
2: It You know, it happens.
0: I guess. So the elves chain up Aunt Dorothy and drag her away, but not before she says, see you in hell, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> Aunt Dorothy was a hardcore thug until the end. Ghostface Killa would be proud.
2: Jesus Christ, Peter.
0: the elves also chain up the Jack in the box to drag it out the window and Howard in a fit of frustration that I can relate to. He leaps on the thing to try to save his daughter and gets dragged away too. So he just kind of, I guess he sort of dies needlessly, but it's, it's a pretty brave thing to do. So I'll give him credit for that. I actually think it was a cool way to go. He did his best. I feel like the rest of them didn't, but he tried (laughs) at least when he wasn't being, you know, a sumbish at the dinner table. So the the elves have the rest of them surrounded and pinned to the wall. It's one of those moments where the characters who remain, they seem finished, but then you hear in the distance, the call of Krampus's approach and they're like frightened away. You know, it's one of those kinds of things, you know, like when like a tribe surrounds you, but then like the chief shows up or, or like a monster they're afraid of, you know, or a lion or whatever. So it's that kind of a thing out of the frying pan into the fire. Omi desperately tries to relight the fire, but the matches keep blowing out. Tom announces they're all leaving to go get help. I don't know why he does this. I don't know why they all agree. <laughs> I don't know why Omi doesn't try to stop them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You just kind of suck, Omi. You you know what's what the score is. You know that they can't go out. Bad things will happen, but you're, you're really not pushing to save them. Yeah. So the lights are flickering on and off again. I guess somehow Krampus is able to play with the electricity in the house. Hoofbeats on the roof mark the arrival of the shadow of St. Nicholas, the anti-claws, Krampus. I wish I had a musical sting right there. Yeah,
2: right? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine jingle bells, but
0: sinister. Actually, that would be really funny. Like there was that old episode of the Simpsons where... It was, I think it was a Valentine's Day episode and they kept trying to play music and it kept being the Monster Mash. <laughs> and after a while, like the, the radio host gets really mad. Yeah. That's it. I can't work under these conditions.
2: What a great song.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wanted to play it during the Halloween episode, but you know, you got to buy the rights and uh, you know, yeah. I, mean, I ain't got that kind of money. Yeah. I bought their album. And apparently the guy wrote more than one song, which is just astonishing to me.
2: Yeah, honestly. You write just the monster mash. And, like your career is kind of done. That's
0: all you need. He also wrote the monster motion, which was like a sequel song and it's almost exactly the same. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's like that kind of stuff. He's just kind of cashing in on the hype. Sure. And you know what? I can't really blame him for that. I mean, that's like his one thing. So do you know what? You have your one album. Yeah. And then you retire on the proceeds. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's, it's a fun. song, the, idea of doing the monster mash is inherently kind of funny. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, mean, like, you know, you can just say and they do the monster mash and it's like, yeah, okay, that's makes me smile.
0: In my mind's eye, I tend to imagine it's like a a cabbage patch kind of a dance. (laughs) I I can see it. So anyway, yeah, the family heads out over the threshold, you know, they're going to go save Somebody. I don't know. All these kids are missing now. They were all captured at different points. I'm not sure who they mean to save at this point. I guess they just want to escape just to pick up the pieces in some other location. But Omi's not coming along. She locks the door behind them and just, you know, locks them out and says, you know, you guys go on without me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to face off against Krampus. And I do like at least that somebody who re- was writing or rewriting the script had the sense to bring up that there's a huge hole in the window <laughs> where the elves got yeah. in. So Max actually says that, or, or maybe Tom says that. Somebody says it. It's just like, oh, the window. And then you know, then the other person is just like, no, he, she actually wants us to go. Like She's trying to help us. And they just agree with that. I mean, I don't know why they would. Why is she in danger? doesn't she believe in Krampus and Santa Claus more than maybe anyone on earth? Uh, Wouldn't she be like immune?
2: Well, I mean, she did kind of let a lot of this stuff happen.
0: And also she's a really bad proponent of Krampus. lore. That's what I'm saying. If that was her job as a survivor, she really didn't spread it around. She's like embarrassed about it and she really doesn't help. she really doesn't spread the word. You know, or instill the the magic of Christmas in people's hearts. I mean, I guess in her small way she did because she would do all the baking and be nice to people, handed out the hot chocolates. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, she just really sucks at being like the the protective grandmother she's supposed to be. <laughs> in either case, you know, whether or not she believes or, or maybe, you know, Max is being just punished for his lack of belief and everyone around him is just collateral from that, like collateral damage. Either way, Krampus comes down the chimney and makes a dramatic entrance. He looks great when you finally get a good look. Oh, at him. yeah. He's giant. He's hunchbacked. He's got huge ram horns coming out of his head. You've got a Santa-ish face. Although people have complained that he looks mask-like, and it turns out that the director says that that was on purpose, that he's literally wearing a Santa mask of some sort because he looks really bad underneath. Yeah. I mean, I heard in the story is that Krampus is is supposed to be half demon and half goat. So he probably looks pretty bad under there. So I wonder if he, I think he's just wearing the Santa mask as sort of like a mockery because he knows he's the anti-claws, the, uh, the shadow of the claws.
2: Yeah. I kind of like that. He's having fun with it.
0: Yeah. He's got a long beard, long tongue, long talons, chains and bells everywhere. And the the famous homes.
2: And you know, he just smells
0: when you're watching this scene. Oh yeah. He probably smells really bad. (laughs) I would think he smells like tar. I don't know why, but I, I just imagine that. Yeah, I can
2: see that.
0: When you're watching this scene for the first time, you might think to yourself as I did. Well, Krampus knows this lady believes she's made her sacrifices. I mean, she's literally sacrificing herself right now on behalf of her children and her children's children. She tries to teach others to do the same. She's cool. He'll let her go. But no, he doesn't let her go. He opens a bag of toys that swarm all over her. And I mean, yeah, she's, she's dead or gone. I'm not sure which there's just no mercy for anyone, for literally (laughs) anyone in this movie. Brutal film, just brutal.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry. If you're going to be brutal in your movie, you definitely can't spare the grandma.
0: I guess not for those of you keeping count out there that leaves us with Tom and Sarah, Max, Linda, and Stevie. So that's five people left. They've come across the snowplow that had the keys still inside, but it's clear from the coming noise that Krampus's minions will soon be overtaking them. So in another noble sacrifice, sure to be unrewarded, Tom (laughs) begs his family to, to get into the plow while he tries to slow the monsters down with a shotgun tom tries his best but he's not a great shot with that shotgun he buys them maybe 30 seconds at best by stopping <laughs> to get surrounded and eaten by those things under the snow i feel like he should have just gone with them
2: uh yeah couldn't have hurt
0: he gets pulled under and that's the end of him rest in peace tom you were a nice guy a goodish dad And literally did nothing to deserve any of this. (laughs) If only your son could have kept his faith in Santa or whatever.
2: (laughs) It really was his fault.
0: And then we get a really weird rendition of Silent Night that plays in the background while they load up the plow. I think it's (laughs) like to indicate that some real sad stuff's about to happen because then Linda, she's like last in line, you know, helping people get into the plow. She gets pulled down into the snow by whatever's under there. I don't know if they specify which thing it is that's grabbing them under the snow. I think it's elves, but I don't actually know that.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Sarah, Max's mom, pauses to look at Linda, which is apparently also long enough to be grabbed as well. So she gets just long enough to look at Max and say, I love you, before she is also pulled down into the snow. Like a graboid would pull down someone into the sands in Tremors. Check that movie out, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, good one, adults. You're all dead now, so now there's no parents left and nobody to drive the snowplow.
2: Yeah, way to die, idiots.
0: (laughs) Way to die. The body count really escalates out of control at the end here, doesn't it?
2: Uh, Yeah.
0: Now we're down to just Max and Stevie. Cold and alone in an abandoned snowplow. With a busted in windshield. So it's not even like a, a complete windshield. And it's already shown signs of Krampus minions getting in there. you know, And just not worrying about the glass at all. There is no protection from having this glass between you and them. <laughs> so Max tries to start the engine. But this is a horror film. So we must abide by the rule that it will take six or seven attempts before the engine finally rolls over. Of course. Or at least that's what I wrote but I don't think he ever gets it going. So it might just be that the car just can't turn on and it just has bad luck.
2: They, uh,
0: I know that certain cars, when it gets too cold, certain cars won't ignite. Mm-hmm. So it could be that, but I don't know if that's what's going on or not.
2: I mean, they do uh, kind of imply early on in the movie that there um, weren't any cars out on the street. Maybe they just didn't work at that point. Yeah,
0: could be. So those um those crummy masked elves, they're back. I think they, they sense that these kids are low-hanging fruit. They're like, oh, we can just walk up and grab them. So they just surround the plow and reach in for them. <laughs> Max finds a tire iron and he beats back his attacker. He does okay, but Stevie is not so lucky. She gets grabbed and pulled out of the car, which is a little shameful. I don't remember if she's the lacrosse girl or the wrestling girl, but whichever it is, she's still some kind of an athlete. I feel like she should have done a little better. <laughs>
2: I mean, they're
0: elves. I guess you could say maybe they're supernaturally strong, but actually I, I was thinking it's the other way around. I think they're probably really weak and it's more that they're just kind of a horde.
3: I guess so. I, I don't know.
0: I know that there are certain Krampus type ceremonies where a lot of masked hoodlums will go to various houses and kind of like demand offerings. If not, then they'll do like mischievous tricks. You know, it's sort of the precursor to things like Halloween. Mm-hmm giving monsters their due. Give us offerings. Give us some figgy pudding. <laughs> and it right now. I tend to believe that song is about people just heckling for food. They're just demanding figgy pudding. I right. wishing them a Merry Christmas. Yeah. So Stevie gets grabbed by the elves and pulled down into the snow. I feel like for the shot, they use salt because it makes it's got kind of a quicksandy look when she gets pulled down into the white snow. Not that that matters. I just think that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Max does the uh, stupidest thing in the world. He gets out of the snowplow to go save Stevie, but why didn't he go try to save his mom or Linda or anybody? Like why, why, why Stevie? Why, why, what are you doing here? Kid, you're an <laughs> idiot. Like why now?
2: Well, I mean, that's the person he really care
0: about. Yeah. Stevie. No, I had a quiet crush on my cousin. <laughs> Like let's throw that wrinkle in at the last <laughs> thing. That's not in the movie, folks. We're just kidding. I guess we don't know. We don't know what was in Max's heart. Maybe that's why Krampus showed up. <laughs> you felt the wrong way about your cousin. No,
2: that would be such a funny turn. Just like, <laughs> yeah, all right, we got about, we got like, you know, ten, fifteen minutes left in the movie. Let's just pull that.
0: Yeah, let's just pull that out of nowhere. I mean everyone literally just died so that Max could live and then he just throws it away he just walks outside lucky for him the the snow monsters have stopped and and Krampus comes over to him personally like just shows up and, and drops a Krampus bell with his torn up santa letter wrapped around it just to you know really stick in the dagger you know just just embarrass him for his losing hope <laughs> this is why all your friends and family are dead You should have sent that letter. And so, you know, after that, he just leaves. I mean, he's just like, yeah, this is why it happened. Bitch, now I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Not that Krampus ever says anything. That'd be funny, though, if he did. Yeah. So, but yeah, he spares Max, I guess, to instill fear and belief into the hearts of a new generation of children. I suspect that if Max had gone along with that, he would have been a much better proponent of Krampus. He probably would have actually taught people about it and stuff. He seems altruistic in that way, mm. in a way that maybe his grandma wasn't.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't think she was like being nefarious about it. But.
0: No, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I'm honestly mystified by her character. I'm not sure what was going on with, with her. Mm. I feel like we just don't know enough. But, you know, regardless, Max isn't having any of that. He finds the Krampus procession. They're all like loading up like roadies going on to a, like a road trip or something with all of their victims and captured people. they're going to trundle him off to to hell or wherever, but Max renounces his wish and he throws the bell back at Krampus. The bell just like mysteriously lowers into the snow. I don't know why it does that, but it's cool. Uh, It it has a a nice symbolic feel to it. You know, Mm -hmm. I reject this bell and he demands Krampus give back his family, you know, and they all just kind of laugh at him and ignore him. Yeah. Krampus opens a flaming hole in the earth and goes to throw Stevie into it. I was just thinking how cool it is as a demon to just be able to summon a flaming hole. I just think that's really neat.
2: Yeah.
0: You wouldn't need a garbage can. You could just summon a flaming hole and throw stuff down it.
2: To be honest, I feel like implications for your soul aside, there are a lot of perks to being a demon. Seems like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're about to throw Stevie in the pit. And so Max walks right up to Krampus and he's going to hit him with a tire iron, but then he kind of gives up. And I'm not sure why. Maybe he just sees the fruitlessness of it. You know, like he's not like he's going to be able to kill this thing. Mm-hmm. So he just asks him to undo all the harm that was caused. He's like, I know this is in your power. It's funny he says that. I mean, I don't think he knows that, but maybe he <laughs> just hopes, you know? Yeah. Like, I hope this is in your power. Look at what you've done here. Everyone's dead. <laughs> But, you know, he does the the ultimate sacrifice thing. And it's great. I, I actually really like this. He just says, like, you know, please bring everyone back in exchange. You can take me. If this theory about maybe that he's a pure soul and so he would be worth more than other people, that kind of a thing. If that was true, then they would go with this. You know, and they pause for a minute. So it gives you this brief false impression that this movie might have a better ending. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not to be. It's not to be Krampus laughs and Stevie is just cast into the pit. And then he picks up max by his head and dangles him over the fiery pit. And you can hear the pitiful shrieks of people down beneath. So like, you know, for sure, this is some kind of a hell you're about to be dropped into. Yeah. Like all of your plans have gone, gone to ruin. Max for his credit, you know, to his credit pleads with him and just apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry, Krampus monster. I just wanted Christmas to be the way it used to be, which is, it's like the exactly right things to say. He's just being honest and just trying to repent and Krampus don't care. He just drops him into the pit (laughs) (laughs) and that's that credits. No, not quite. Uh, Max awakens from a dream. Yes. This movie has that happen in it. (laughs) Oh, it was all a dream.
2: God. If, Only I could have seen this in theaters.
0: Yeah, no, really. (laughs) He looks out the window. Everything looks normal again. He goes to an ornate wooden advent calendar he has on his wall. I mean, they've been showing an advent calendar opening for each day. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was on Max's wall. I don't know why they gave him this gorgeous old antique. I assume that Omi gave it to him. Well, you seem to like this. Please don't throw anything at it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption.
0: So it's Christmas Day. Downstairs, everyone is alive and well, bedecked in festive but comfortable pajama sleepwear. Omi hands out hot chocolate. You know, just, just hot chocolate. They open gifts. Somebody gave Jordan brass knuckles. Holy crap.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a bad idea.
0: I looked it up. It's, brass knuckles are illegal in 21 states, including mine. Apparently you can have them in Ohio where I think this movie takes place. If you have a permit,
3: hmm.
0: I don't think she has one though. So they're probably still breaking the law here.
3: Yeah.
0: Howard gifted Sarah, a taxidermy creature. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it is. I don't, I don't know if you took time to think about it. I thought it almost looks like a lemur or something.
2: Uh, yeah. I thought it was some kind of wombat, but
0: uh, um... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Some kind of small mammal. Oh, wait, if it's a wombat, it wouldn't be a mammal. It would be a, what are those called? Marsupial. Yeah. Whatever. A small furry creature. I don't know where the hell they got it from, but they said they had to reattach its foot. So I think Howard did at least part of the taxidermy stuff himself, which is very strange.
3: Yeah.
0: Everyone's getting their gifts. And then Max gets, you know, a present put in his hands. It's a little (laughs) box. You know, it's nice and kind of old looking. And uh, yeah, he opens it up and it's full of satin. And in the middle of the satin. Is a, is a Krampus bell and it's great because as soon as he picks up the Krampus bell and everyone sees it, it's like, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like they were going through a program or something and the program ended, you know, (laughs) or like they ran out of a script or something. It's like, as soon as everyone saw it, just a look of loss crosses each of their faces one by one. And they just look like there's a look of utter despair that just seems to overtake all of them. Yeah. They're all weirded out by the bell. The whole warm scene falls apart. The camera pulls out of the house to reveal that the Engel household is sealed in a snow globe in Krampus's sinister fairytale workshop. There's hundreds of other homes adorning the grimy old shelves. And just before the credits, we get a jump scare with all <laughs> the Krampus minions <laughs> leaping out of the camera. Yeah.
3: Just
0: for no reason. Why not? Uh, Yeah, I mean... The end. (laughs) That's how it ends, everybody. Everyone is either dead or in hell. I I don't know which it is, but they're in one of them.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Not too many other ways to interpret that, to be
0: honest. Yeah. The credit sequence has a cool advent calendar layout for the cast, and I think if the movie had decided to have a happy ending, I would care about that. But the fact that it just ended with everyone being dead and in hell like I I don't even want to think about it it's like all right whatever <laughs> I well I can't blame the cast for, the, for that decision like I actually really like all of the actors I think they all did really well
1: Yeah
0: But guys guys everybody I just I wanted a happy ending for this film I really <laughs> I really wanted that I don't like this ending I don't I don't I don't like it <laughs> Uh, it's not for me okay so let's go through some of the numbers shall we Krampus has 67% on Rotten Tomatoes so you know it's not bad relatively well received
2: yeah I mean, I it's,
0: it's got 6.2 out of 10 on IMDB and it's got 49% on Metacritic see I, I'm starting to wonder if I'm some kind of an elitist because like, I feel like I line up slightly more with the Metacritic than I do with the Rotten Tomatoes on this it cost 15 million dollars to make and it grossed 61 million worldwide so yeah it was it was an actual success Mm -hmm. it did it made its money back and then some you know it did pretty well
1: yeah
0: so jacob what do you think what would you rate this film on a one to ten scale Uh, by whatever metric feels fair and reasonable to you
2: um i guess i would i don't know if it's fair to say a seven, but it's like it's a pretty strong, not like average, but you know, it's just it's a pretty good horror movie, yeah. Uh, not great, I don't think, but it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> so, um, so you said a seven out of ten,
2: something like that, yeah.
0: You have to decide, Jacob.
2: Okay, uh, sure, all right. God, at some point, I need to like go back and See what I gave each movie rating was
0: i know i've I've been trying to reorganize everything, and uh I keep forgetting to write it down, so yeah, I will eventually um <laughs> yeah, I'll put it on a list or something.
2: because I feel like I, i've my first thought was maybe like an eight, but I feel like I've done that for a lot of movies. I feel like at least half has got to be an eight, but i hmm.
0: I, we'll have to run some numbers. Yeah. Well, you know, we should have done that for this episode because this is going to be the end of the year episode. I suppose we could have just done like a roundup, but we we can do that in another one. Well, you know, yeah. we could start doing some analysis of our analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some real inside information stuff.
2: Sure. I, you know, at some point I would like to kind of do just like a, an episode that's not really necessarily about a specific movie, but just kind of like a, a bit of a meta one, you know,
0: it might be fun. Yeah. Okay, so for me, I don't know. This this movie, I I wrote like a couple paragraphs trying to explain myself. So here we go. This movie is like it's like 70% perfect to me, but that 30% really sticks in my craw.
1: <laughs>
0: so first the good. The actors are all excellent. Their chemistry and inter- interactions are great. The setting, the set design, the concepts, the music, sound effects, visual effects cinematography is all wonderful. Visually, it's a lovely movie. There's so much here that could make this movie a Christmas cult classic in the vein of uh, something like Gremlins. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But the tone, as I've mentioned before, the tone is uneven. It takes too long in my estimation to get to Krampus and his minions. Much of the dialogue is snappy and great, but everyone's motivation ceases to make sense after bad things start to happen. I mean, in a lot of movies with slashers, especially like Jason Voorhees, you know, there's a lot of unknown killers. So people keep doing dumb things because they don't know they're in a horror movie yet. (laughs) Once you're given warning, you, you start to make precautions. It, It changes your behavior, but I don't feel like there was enough changing of behavior from characters. Once they knew that supernatural forces were capturing their children. I feel like they, they do a lot of oversights and I think, A lot of it, as I mentioned before, I think a lot of it would have been improved with just another rewrite, just like another draft, just where they kind of polish things up a little bit. Mm. Too many bad decisions made by almost every single character, (laughs) including leaving a baby Chrissy all over the place. Yeah, that wasn't great. I hated every single shot they had of that abandoned baby. So I guess some of this stuff is just sticking with me. So maybe there's just some of that. Most of the surreal dark tone and bleakness would have been excusable or even enjoyable if Max really had been dreaming the whole time. And I know that's an unsatisfying ending, but it would have been something that people could more readily accept. You you could probably have this on like TBS, you know, or or cable TV every year. If it was just a bad dream he had, I know that's lame, but it's digestible. But by having it be this horrible ending where everyone's doomed in hell forever, (laughs) It's just, it's so, it's so dark. It's way darker than it needed to be. I don't know. There's the big thing about it is that there's this inability that you, you can seem to do anything about Krampus once he shows up. It's like, if you accidentally summon Krampus, you are doomed almost no matter what. I mean, or well, at least that's the implication. It seems like you can't do anything. You're just doomed. And that super downer ending where, you know, everyone, both good and bad is doomed to eternal purgatory. Just really doesn't, just doesn't please me as a viewer. Think of the beginning where the movie shows us how much people can suck during the holiday season. Now combine that with the knowledge that if others succeed in making you lose hope, a supernatural monster will come kill you as well as other innocent bystanders (laughs) that happen to be in your family. There is absolutely no reasoning with this thing and escape. Yeah. As I said, it appears to be impossible or only possible for people like Omi who will live as warnings to others. You know, like living like a, like a half-life where you're just, just, yeah, you know, like as a stark reminder of the, the fickle nature of the gods or something. <laughs> so yeah, all of that sucks. It's not fun. At least not for me. So my gripes are mostly tone and philosophical disagreement, but I think it's fair to say the movie would be far more rewatchable if it had some sort of a happy ending. It doesn't have to be a happy ending I offered, but just a happier ending. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm a little undecided between a 5 and a 4. Okay. Um I think it's made too well to give it a 4 because that would put it on par with me for uh, Maniac Cop and this <laughs> movie is way better than Maniac Cop. So I think I am obligated to give it a 5. But it's a low 5 for me. So uh, yeah, I guess you could say this, I am displeased even though most of the movie is good. I just yeah, I just don't like a bad ending. I think maybe that just really pulls it down for me.
2: <laughs> uh, fair enough.
0: So yeah. As for the naughty cut, I like the various bits of dialogue they added back in and the slight lengthening of a few scenes. I heard that some of the gore was extended, but I couldn't easily tell the difference. You know, we need to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. You get a Blu-ray, you get a 4K Ultra HD, both jammed with behind-the-scenes stuff that I have yet to go through because I literally just got this edition late last night. (laughs) So, you know, I wouldn't say I wasted my money, but yeah, it's, it's not vital for people who aren't collecting ultra high def horror films. All
3: right.
2: Well,
0: it's a nice edition. Yeah. So Jacob, how well do you suppose the people who visit IMDb could summarize this film?
2: Um, I mean, honestly, considering how it's gone in the past pretty well, probably.
0: Yeah. Let's find out on today's edition of IMDB plot keywords. <laughs> I should make a little like musical jingle for that. Or I could do like the bad radio hosting, you know, where like it's just my voice modulated to just say whatever the title is, you know, like plot keywords. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. And maybe you like, you know, you you like replay the last part of you saying it like a, a couple times over, like your max headroom, you're like plot keywords. Wo- 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 <laughs> Slowly over time, I'm just going to transform into a shock jockey, you know, to the chagrin of everyone.
2: Yeah, I need to eventually bring back that, that soundboard idea. Eventually.
0: Yeah. Okay, so there was 251 plot keywords. That is a lot of plot keywords. Good God. Yeah, they are sorted by relevance. So these top ones are the most relevant, technically. Okay. So here we go. Boils and ghouls. Number one. Christmas.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, undoubtedly. that's
0: a slam dunk. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Two folklore. Sure. Yeah. Also a slam dunk. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Well done everyone. <laughs> Number three, Christmas horror. I mean, again, yeah, yeah very yeah. nice.
2: Yeah. Good so far.
0: Yeah. Solid. Number four, Krampus. probably should have been number one, but it could be number two. Yeah. Yeah, It's a little low. I guess. Five demon.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, there's actually multiple demons. I don't know what a lot of those monsters are, but they seem like demons wearing cheerful costumes. You know, like that Jack in the box thing has like a gooey mouth underneath. The, The angel lady is like that too. So there's something gross under there and they just like wearing cheerful costumes. Six baby, Why? one person found that relevant.
2: Why is that so high up there?
0: Oh, well, I mean, this is when it's getting to like one or no relevant oh, okay. findings. So, so one person mentioned the baby and I think that is relevant. I actually think that's worthy of being high because child abandonment can really trigger some people, you know, moms and protective people, you know, parents. So yeah, you, you probably should warn people about that that they keep abandoning poor baby Chrissy like all over the place in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they do that? I like it's like a running joke almost. They're like, "Oh, forgot the baby again." Seven dog. I I think I would have been more specific and said bulldog, but, you know, I guess that'll do. There is a dog. Yeah. I mean, a bulldog almost isn't a dog. It's more like a small creature, like a homunculus or something. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: it's a it's a familiar. It's yeah, it's a strange little a, a little life, but yeah, hardly resembling a dog anymore.
3: Yeah,
0: not to throw shade at bulldogs. Eight holiday, getting a little vague here, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine snow globe, probably should be higher because you know it's both the ending and it's also quite prominent in the film. Yeah. Also, I want to note that the snow globe is, is featured prominently on the cover of some of the Krampus box arts for some of the DVDs. Mm-hmm. And I know people don't realize it, but that is giving away the entire ending. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he's got him in a, in a snow globe now.
2: I mean, there's no way you could know that unless you watched the movie, you know?
0: Well, yeah, that's true. It just seems like abstract art until you realize it's literal. I'm <laughs> like, no, that's literally what happened.
2: Yeah, well, it's sort of like, uh, what was it? Uh, what was that movie? It was like the found footage, from, like Quarantine, where uh, the cover is also the uh, just like last shot of the movie.
0: The last shot. Yeah, yeah, before the lady gets dragged away. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Spoiler for that movie, sort of. I, well,
2: yeah.
0: Ten, we got German. You know that also should be higher, but a lot of these kind of compete for relevance on here because they're all pretty relevant i mean this is a very german movie just because of how much they allow omi to just speak german that's become kind of disfavored in the you know these subsequent generations of american cinema i feel like in some of the earlier decades we were more prominent with other languages i mean not just german but just whatever Mm -hmm. usually like you know french or german or whatever but it's weird to just have her speak that way. Uh,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm glad they went. It's so. weird because
0: it's both nice, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like maybe she overdoes it. I feel, you know, as I said earlier, I think she almost hides behind her language because she knows English and she can speak English. And she just stubbornly refuses to. To be clear. I don't know why that is.
2: To be clear, we're talking about the character and not the actress who is, in fact, German. Is she? Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, The actress is great. Yeah. No, I also, yeah. When I was crapping all over the grandmother character, I'm not crapping all over. Her, her name is Krista Stadler. Yeah. She was great. It's her character. Yeah. It's, it's not her. Leave that woman alone.
2: Or oh, sorry. Austrian. All right. Should have. Oh, oh, God. Whatever.
0: Same difference. <laughs> they were annexed by Germany. You accepted Hitler with open arms.
3: Oh, man, come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> again like i said yeah, yeah we're running out of living generations you know that can be involved in any of that so you know what you guys will be off the hook soon you know give it another 10 or 20 years and it'll become logistically impossible to to accuse someone of having been involved with nazis <laughs> anyway yeah. uh 11 santa claus that's wrong. There is no, no Santa Claus yeah. in this movie.
2: This is wrong.
0: He is mentioned.
2: Yeah, and then, well, I, mean, I yeah. guess there is the... Uh, sorry, what
0: was it? Oh, there is the mall Santa yeah, that's yeah. checking out Beth's butt. Yeah. Yeah, way to go, mall Santa.
2: Oh, yeah, I guess that does kind of count, but not really.
0: Yeah, sort of. It's Santa adjacent. Uh, we got 12, mythology. Sort of. I don't know what the difference is between folklore and mythology. And I'm someone who collects books about folklore and mythology. It just seems like, I guess, if you take it too seriously, they start to call it mythology.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's a terribly meaningful distinction.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it's fine. 13, surprise ending. Yeah. Yeah. It is surprising. I was honestly surprised. (laughs) I, I, maybe I'm too much of a softy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm i very hard on this movie. And I think it's just because I like a good ending. Or maybe I just like the sanctity of, of the Christmas season, you know, like in the back of my mind, I'm always just like,
2: but it's Christmas, you know? Yeah, Peter, I, I don't want to be like too, too harsh on you. But I do, I do think that uh, part of this is just, you know, you're, you can be a bit of a softy, that this kind of thing. That's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying.
0: Sure. Yeah. I speak for the people, Jacob,
2: <laughs>
0: or I speak for some people. There's gotta be, I can't be the only one. Also, coincidentally, I'm born on Christmas. That doesn't affect my, my reasoning at all. <laughs> it's kind of like not having a birthday.
2: Yeah. I was going to say that's, that's unfortunate to be honest.
0: Yeah. You know, but I was born that way, you know, it's never been not like that.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, 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 <laughs>
0: Okay, fourteen bad guys win. <laughs> solid. Yeah, I mean, fifteen ambiguous ending. Uh, also kind of solid. Yeah, I mean it's sort of ambiguous.
2: I mean, I don't know if I call it ambiguous. I feel like it's pretty, uh, pretty obvious what happens.
0: You know, if they made a sequel to this movie where they start in the snow globe and they actually manage to escape somehow. I mean, I know that sounds stupid. But if they did, I would actually like this movie better. Just because the ending is less bleak. (laughs) You know, if there was even the possibility you could somehow get out, I would like this movie better. (laughs) I just hate thinking that they're trapped in there forever. I don't know why I care about these people. I mean, maybe it's the movie's fault. I mean, they did, you know, they give us just enough backstory. You know, it got me thinking about what their lives were like and stuff. You know, made me feel bad. So uh, number 16, we got character name as title. Yeah, yeah. that's very... I was going to say it's very specific, but I guess that is a category of things. Huh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, I don't have to like them pointing it out, though.
0: Yeah. 17, we got Krampus character. I mean, they already had Krampus, so that's kind of a waste. Yeah. Come on, Do 18, we got grandmother-grandson relationship, which actually, that is pretty... That's pretty good, because like, that's actually quite prominent in the film.
2: Yeah, but that feels specific
0: enough. Yeah. And also, I mean, Max is one of the only people who learns German just so he could speak to his grandmother or understand what the hell she's saying. <laughs> At one point, her son, Tom does speak to her in German briefly. Yeah. But it seems like Max is the only one that has any interest, you know, which is, you know, that's pretty impressive for a boy of whatever he is. He looks like he's eight or, or 10 or something. Mm-hmm. All right. So last two, we got uh, number 19, Supernatural power, I guess. Yeah, I don't
2: know. I mean, like, yes, but why even put that in there? That's not like terribly. Like, are people looking for the uh, the Krampus movies without supernatural powers in them?
0: There might be some. I mean, there's enough of these bad Krampus movies that some might just be, you know, like a jerk showing up, basically.
2: Oh yeah,
0: because that's what Krampus would be without supernatural power. He would just be a jerk. You know, he would hit kids with a stick, and they would like. Call their parents.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My dad's going to kick your ass. I still don't like it.
0: Number 20. You really won't like this then. Number 20. Boy.
3: God. Why?
0: (laughs) Just just, just boy. Yeah. It's got a boy in it, Jacob. It's important. We need to know this.
2: I would legitimately feel somewhat concerned if someone needed to search movies with boys in them.
0: I was thinking about the movie, the boy. I hope that boy is in the boy's description.
2: I mean, yeah, that'd be kind of funny, but I mean, although spoiler
0: alert, there is no boy in the boy, so it would actually be a little misleading. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) I love how like stumped you are by that. You're just like, Hmm. Uh, Any parting words, Jacob, words of wisdom concerning Krampus.
2: Yeah. Don't fuck up or your entire family will die.
0: Yeah. I wrote something similar. (laughs) Uh, Be good or Krampus will, will whip you with a birch rod. Yeah. I mean, well, that's more general Krampus, but then I wrote the more specific for this movie one where it's, if you're the sensitive spiritual one in your family, make sure and send out your letters to Santa or the blood of your whole family is on your hands. (laughs) So yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, that's kind of the lesson. I mean, I I mean, or or maybe, maybe there is no lesson. Maybe that's the thing is that I I am, I'm looking for lessons and there's just nothing to be learned from this. It's just stuff that happened.
2: I mean, I think there's like a moral to it, but I I think you are adding a bit more weight to that than the movie did.
0: <laughs> I guess. Well, Jacob, I think this means that we can rest easy for the rest of the holidays. Or at least you can. I'll be editing this episode, but you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think this, uh, yeah. I think this uh this came out pretty well.
2: Uh yeah.
0: I hope that you have a Merry Christmas.
2: Oh. Huh. Well you know what? You should also have a Merry Christmas. Or else.
0: I was thinking like, you could have just been like, thank you. And then you just like don't say anything. <laughs>
2: Uh, no no, I I wouldn't do that man
0: like thank you and good day (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that goes for the rest of you out there in podcast land too enjoy your holidays even if you happen to celebrate one of the crappy ones
2: (laughs) Uh, also uh, to be clear that's not extended to people who dislike the podcast if you don't yeah yeah, if you don't like it (laughs) then eat shit I hope you have a bad holiday
0: go live in a snow globe I hope Krampus comes for you (laughs) don't burp at the table, it's gross yeah so from all of us here at Gorman on Gore we wish you the best Happy New Year to you all as well so until next time, I've been Peter
2: Uh, I'm Jacob
0: and uh, this has been Gorman on Gore see ya one more i got one more thing let's see where is it mm-hmm.
1: i think all this might be my fault